Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. You know, I do a couple of bump of theaters and a bump of uh, theaters. Now I'm doing arenas and then the movie gets bought. And I mean, and so I, to say, am I comfortable with the success? <laughs> it's been a slow road. I'm very lucky that it happened later in my life. But there's always a part of you that feels like you have hardcore imposter syndrome. Because I, I wasn't anointed by Hollywood. I, I, I've never had this one project that just skyrocketed me. It's always been this slow burn of like, just got to move tickets. You just got to get a, I got to get a podcast guest the next week. I, I need guests for my cooking show. And it's just this like, just almost like a long, long walk where at some points you turn around and you're like, holy shit. Where yeah. did I, is that? Look how far I've Yeah, look, and then, but you're like, I, I can't look backwards. I just got to keep looking forward. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I have known of Bert for a while. He's all over my social media feed. He is a massively successful comedian selling out arenas, not theaters, not shows, arenas all over the world. And because I kept seeing his name and seeing his picture and seeing his comedy, I decided to watch some of his stand-up. And as I mentioned in our interview, the very first time I watched one of his stand-up specials, I was laughing so hard I literally couldn't breathe. Like tears running down my face, choking on my laughter, so funny, but also definitely a bit raunchy, a bit 
as Bert would call it, like he's a meathead. And in this conversation, we laugh our butts off. We also cuss. We talk about drugs. We talk about life on the road. We talk about everything. And I just want to give you a heads up in case that kind of conversation freaks you out. Mima, if you are listening, this is the episode to skip. For everybody else, if you know who Burt Kreischer is, then you know what you're about to walk into, and I hope you enjoy. I'm, I'm a little old school. Like, uh, my, my uh, this sounds horrible to say. As, as I said, I'm old school. My, my personal trainer yes. was talking about <laughs> her uh, mother ayahuasca, and I, not, and I, I love her. She's yeah. awesome. But she's a, she's a, she's, the hippie vibes. She's yeah. a, she's a, like Aubrey would love her. Yes. Like, and I yes. love Aubrey. I yeah. love Aubrey. I think he's fucking awesome. I think I've only met him once, but we've talked online, and, yeah. and he's the sweetest guy. He sends the nicest yeah. fucking messages. I love Aubrey, but like the part of the spirituality part, I think I'm. If I think if I'm looking for spirituality, I end up going to church. Yeah. Like, I, and, and, yeah. And, and and that sounds uh, drugs for me are to party with. Yeah. Oh, and so yeah, like yeah, yeah. so like. I, like someone's like, you know, I, I took mushrooms, but I did a microdose, and then right. I was like, I was like, yeah, you're supposed to fucking eat a handful, <laughs> and then get rain axe and put it on your windshield and just watch the rain run off. Like, like that's like, I, I, and not to say like I'm a, I'm a little bit of a bro, a little bit of a meathead. Yeah. So like I'm not uh, like I I and I obviously respect anyone who wants to whatever you're gonna find spirituality. I'm looking for it fucking daily. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like for me it was. I just wanted to know what would come up or yeah. what I would see or oh, what oh, would happen. Oh, if I could get rid of a fear of death or uh, sincerely a fear of death or pinpoint my trauma, I would do it. What? What's the fear of death about? Come on. No, I mean like has no, that been with you always? Did you uh, almost die once? No, like, no, no. It's just always been with me. I woke up one, one, one evening. I was I had to be 10 years old because we were in our new house and with it, with a, a panic attack, one of my first panic attacks, mm. and, I, and I realized – one day my dad was going to die and I wouldn't have him. And I was like, hold on. <laughs> that, oh. It doesn't happen to everyone, right? And then I went in. I woke my dad up. My dad doesn't wake up nicely. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck? What, the, ah, what, what do you need? You, I did it the other day. My assistant woke me up the other day and I did it. I wake up. If he, he sleeps deep. And I said, dad, dad, I need to talk to you. He's like, it's, it's three in the morning. What do you need? I said, uh, are you going to die one day? And he goes, yeah, and so are you. And I had never realized that I would die. Wow. And I was like, wait, I'm dying? Like, <laughs> fuck my initial panic attack. I'm dying. Oh. And ever since then, I have, I, ever since then, I've, I have acute awareness of the fact that I can't stop it, that inevitably one day it goes black. One day it goes black. And, uh, and I, I, there's so, it's, it's such a deep fear, seated fear in like, in like, like I've said horrible stuff. I've, I've, by the way, I don't even know what I've said on podcasts because I just talk. I don't think. But like I've said, like I really would. I kind of wish my whole family would die with me so that we all go together and then no one parties without me. Like I, I have actually thought that before. When we're the safest, I feel when I'm traveling is when we're all on the plane together. Is like well, if we die, like we're all dying, we, and at I least had, we'll be okay rolling in the afterlife together. I had uh, I had a, I was on tour in Australia. For, for, uh, probably four or five years ago. And the girls and I went to Bali first and then they came to Australia with me. 
we all saw Australia, and then I went on tour. And so I took him to the airport with my tour manager, who's this Hell's Angel, Gavin, from, uh, from Australia. I drop him off the airport, and he says, Hey, mate, what do you reckon would happen if that plane they got on crashed? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, what do you think the rest of our day would look like? Like just a what random. What the fuck? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't think I've thought of that. I said, we definitely would go to a bar. I'd start drinking. I probably would look for drugs, I guess, to numb it. And I was like, oh, wait, if that plane crashes, I'm fucked. Yeah. Like I am. Like, I am screwed. Yeah. Like, I'll probably stay in Australia. I'm going to probably be homeless. I don't know. Like, I like. You're like, is like, that? Did that used to be Burt Kreischer? Oh, my God. Yeah. My, we, we said it the other day. We were uh, on a hike, me and my daughter. And my other daughter's in college. But me, daughter, my daughter, and, uh, and my wife. How old, are, how old are both the girls? 18. I had 18 and 16. Okay. And so, uh, and I have to say this. I have to say this now because it's, we're here. So, my wife. So I bought your book uh, on the road one one time. Wow! For my daughters, oh, I, cool. I read it and I was just like, I was like, I was like, oh, that's like I like I like that the branding of it. It just yeah. it was like I liked it, and I was like, I bought it for the girls, and so Sweet. I brought it home. And Leanne goes, I've already read that book, and I said, really? And she goes, yeah. And I bought, uh, I bought about twenty of them, and I gave them to all George's friends as they went to college. Holy shit! And I was like, really. And she said, yeah. And she wrote like inside it, uh, don't, don't need to read this right now, but when you turn 20, it's a good book to read. Uh, and so she, so Leanne's like fu- super excited that I'm here. Oh, cool. I wish she yeah. would have come. Uh, well, she, uh, she would have sat on the floor. No, she would have interrupted me and told me my stories are all made up. <laughs> and so uh, she, but, uh, we're on a hike and, and, and Isla, I do this thing when Leanne gets sick, I get angry. Like when she gets sick, I go, don't, can you, can you not do, be sick? Cause she's, I, I say this in, in like the, the, the most loving way possible, but she's pitiful. <laughs> like she's pitiful when she's sick. She's like, Ugh. she really, and I don't like it. I don't like that version Freaks of her. Freaks you out. It bothers me. Yeah. Cause I go, I need the strong Leanne, the bulldog Leanne, the fucking truffle hunting dog Leanne, like the, huh, huh, huh. Like, huh, that's the one I need in my life. I don't like the... And I and Isla said, what if mom got sick and you had to take care of her? And I just went, oh, I, I, I don't think that would happen. I don't I don't know. And I was like, suicide pack, I'd kill us all. I don't think, I'm not, I don't have that, I can't, no. I'd be like, I'd, I'd leave, I'd leave. God forbid. So I hope I die before she does. <laughs> does that fear of death drive you to live a better life? No. What? Just, so you're I, afraid of death, but you're not really doing anything about that. No, no so I, so I've, 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 I think I don't know who said it the, the other day, but I, he said, you know, for a guy with fear of death, you sure are staring down the barrel of a gun. Uh, I like to live my life. I love living. I love the the word party is is dumbed down, but the idea of party of festive festive feelings of of celebrating of like of of eventizing your life and making everything something to look forward to. Everything is a thing where you're like, ooh, ooh. Like having at least one of those every two weeks. Uh, And for me, they happen daily. I get them them daily. But but I've I've set up my life so that's it. 
Uh, what are those things? Like, so, uh, I'm uh, having dinner with friends. Oh, or, I'm, I'm doing a reveal for the uh, Bucks, Jer New Jersey, uh, in June 5th. And then I'm going to go play golf with my dad the day before that. And then uh, 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 Morgan Whalen's coming to the SoFi Center. Oh, uh, and cool. Like, yeah. So, like, I love... Uh, well, and then the, the, there's the obvious one. My movie comes out uh, Memorial right. Day weekend. Right. I, I planned the, uh, or I helped plan for the most part, the red carpet event. Um, uh, I'm going to do Drink Champs. There's a podcast I've really looked forward to doing to for a long time uh, next Monday. Um, like things that where I go, this is a good thing. I'm so going you're to still like enjoying this. Oh, which enjoying what? The success, the career, the. It's. It's weird because, you know, so we came from, and I don't know the right way to say this, but we came from this underground roots of, of the entertainment business. So, like, Hollywood overlooked a lot of us. Yeah. And, and we started doing podcasts. And then... I fucking... Yes. I love this topic. I'm so excited to talk about it because comedians really nailed direct-to-consumer. Like, yeah. you fucking figured out how to bypass every studio, every brand, everybody who said, we are the gatekeepers and you need us to access. And y'all were like, fuck you. Yeah. We can go direct. So, sorry to interrupt. No, no, but no, I no, love no. This and so, and so we, a lot of us, I, I'll say Rogan included, who's one of my, my closest friends, were like, I, f fuck everyone. I'm doing my own thing. Uh, Tommy did that, or Segura, uh, Rogan, Ari, Joey, uh, I mean, Duncan, uh, so, um, Marin, Marin to an extent, but Marin has, has gone and, and done had a really amazing acting career recently. But like a lot of us just did this like, we're going to do uh, our stuff and then fuck everyone else. And then. And just out of curiosity, did you guys know what you were doing? No. Or you were just like, let's get microphones and talk and see what happens? I mean, Respectfully, and I know that everything can get taken out of context. Joe knew so little what he was doing. Of that he course, had snowflakes coming down the screen on his first few podcasts. No like, way. He was like, "How do I turn this off?" <laughs> like, I mean, it was like it was, it, and 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 we really didn't know what we did. We're doing because we were talking absolutely reckless. Whatever would shock us and make us laugh was the thing we said. Right. What, and what, was, what year we didn't was even this? think this is two thousand. Nine, ten. Oh wow! Two thousand ten, okay. maybe twelve. I, I'm not really certain with times. I'm bad with numbers, but I remember the payoff was immediate. You got these this fan base of like diehard fans who loved being a fly on the wall with these comedians getting high as shit. I mean, you would you do a podcast and you wouldn't even remember what you said, <laughs> like legit. And you, and and you, I mean, you get phone calls from people going like, "Bro, what the fuck?" And you're like, "What do you mean?" And you're like, you talk shit about me last night. And I'm like, I don't, did I? I didn't, I don't. Were you doing it live? Oh, we were doing them live. Oh, they were streaming live. They were streaming live. And there was no edit. That once you said it, you said it. Oh my God. And it, it went out everywhere. Oh, wow. And so, but the payoff was like, people were coming to our shows. And, and, and we were getting a fan base. And we were having a fucking blast. Yeah. I mean, it was, there's no way, I mean, I, I'm doing Rogan in a, in a in a couple weeks to promote the movie. Cool. And there's a part of me that I wished there was part of me that if he said, "Hey man, can we just do it in LA at my old house in my old office, that bedroom I converted into an office?" Because that was the like, it's still a blast doing it. Like I, the last time I did it, I think we did like five hours. <laughs> but like, it's still a blast doing it. But those early days were like, it was like the the special thing. Yeah. And uh, and we all started doing that. And then and then. We all started getting success in different sort of ways. Like, 
you know, you'd watch like I think Tommy was the first one to really start doing theaters in like like a big capacity. I was still on Travel Channel, so I wasn't doing. I was like straddling the fence. Like I couldn't smoke weed on camera on Joe's podcast. They would because, turn the yeah. camera because one time a, a network exec called. He's like, "Yo, man, you're fucking doing drugs on camera." And I was like, it's weed. And he's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He's like, we're owned by, they were owned by Scripps, which was pretty much a faith-based company. And he's like, you cannot be smoking weed on camera. So they, when I would smoke weed, they'd turn the camera away from me and I'd smoke weed. And then, so it was, and, and, and like, and I was a little bit careful of what I was saying at times. Like, I, like only like, but I, you never know. Like, yeah. and so we had a fucking blast. And then we all started getting success in certain ways. I was still Travel Channel. I got fired from Travel Channel. Well, so I love this story and I've heard you talk about it with Joe and I would love to understand it more. So did you not have a plan to be a stand-up comedian? Like how did you end up hosting a travel show? Okay. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So I, when I, I got into the business in uh, when I was 26, I don't know what year that was. Uh, I was starting doing stand-up. I started doing stand-up at 26. Here in LA? Uh, in New York. Okay. A place called the Boston Comedy Club. And I, 
in in doing it, I got discovered very quickly by Will Smith, like six months into doing stand up. I know. Yeah. What? I know. I this know. is crazy. I've never heard that. I've had the craziest. I've I have the craziest luck. Um, of the craziest luck. And so I get discovered by Will Smith six months in. We sign a development deal. We sell it to Fox. I move out here for seven months, live in the Universal Sheridan. Deal goes away. Kind of go, ah, we'll figure out what we're doing. I move back to New York. I do a tour in Scotland. And in the middle of Scotland with, with uh, a guy named Patrice O'Neill and Rich Voss. In the middle of Scotland, I get another offer to do a TV show and another development deal. I'd done a showcase. It done went well. And... Uh, and so I, I get a TV show, and so I start hosting. Um, I, I, this is really inside baseball, but like when it comes to talent in this business, you get you have different muscles. Hosting is a definite muscle. Being able to read prompter, talk to camera, interview someone, move move uh, move copy forward, and be like, great, that's awesome. Let's take a look at the next thing. So that you have you have cheesecake, and what beer did you pair that with? Like that muscle is a muscle. Okay. And so I learned that muscle very young. And so adversely, I could, I don't know if that's the right word, adversely, I could get jobs and pay the bills by hosting bullshit pilots. So like I did a pilot, The World's Best Dancing Dog. No. Where we searched the world for the best dancing dog. It was the worst pilot. I remember going to the first dinner with the, with the team, director, producer, writer, everyone. It was for Animal Planet. And they're like, I, I go, uh, they go, you want a beer? This has happened a number of times. And I go, no, no, I don't want a beer. I'm going to be focused. I want to really hit this out of the park. And the guy goes, do you, though? I said, what? And he goes, do you want to hit it out of the park? Or wouldn't it be nice if you just took the money for this pilot and this never went anywhere? I went, what do you mean? He goes, do you want to spend the next eight years of your life looking for a dancing dog? Look, we'll all do a good job, but let's not hit it out of the park. And I went, Good point. I go, I good point. Have... He goes, let's have a good time. Yeah. We're all getting a paycheck. Let's make the product and make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Right. And I was like, fuck. Are you serious? And so so I did that for like, I did that for, I did I did maybe 25 pilots. from. So I had the TV show. I did a sitcom pilot. All that went away. And then I started making pilots. Uh, some turned into TV shows, like the show Hurt Burt that I did. And but most didn't. Some did. Some I uh, fresh baked video games. These shows that no one saw, but they pay good money. You make 130 grand for like 10 episodes, and you're like, it's great. Uh, five grand was my was my fee. Then it was 10 grand. And some pilots were awesome, never went anywhere. Some pilots were absolutely horrible, uh, and and you just were like, and then and then I get, but I'm doing stand up the whole time. Okay. And then I get a I get an offer. What I was really good at was uh, being absolutely terrified. And and hosting, but being scared and hurt. So like, if you could fuck me up somehow, then it was like it was like gold. Like I got mauled by a bull, viral clip. I got I was an MMA fighter. I got choked out by a Gracie. Like everything that every time I got hurt, I was a professional football player. So then Travel Channel comes to me and they're like, Yo, we need we want a guy to ride roller coasters for a living. I go, Yeah, I don't. I'm not that guy. And they're like, No, we think you'd be great. And so I end up doing it and they see that I'm I'm afraid of heights and I'm afraid of roller coasters. And so I'm like a child. I'm a big fat child on these roller coasters and I'm like this is great. We do Birth of Conquer, do like two seasons. It's it, it's 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 it it airs right after Man versus Food. That's our lead in. I mean, we have huge numbers and then, you know, and then 
the whole time I'm doing stand-up, and that right then is when I, I, I meet Rogan. I think that's 2012. I'm probably 36 years old. I'm guessing. I'm bad with numbers. And so I do Travel Channel for like seven years, and then one night I come into the comedy store, and uh, Bill Burr and Rogan are in the green room, and I'm like, hey, guys. And it's, it's awkward. It's almost like they were talking about me. And I was like, hey, guys. And they're like, hey, what's up? I was like, what are you guys? And then they just are like, your, your TV show sucks. I go, what? And they're like, it's, it's, it's not you. Like, you're, you're not that guy. Like, you should not be hosting shows. You should be focusing on your podcast and stand-up. Now, I've been doing stand-up, and I've been doing podcasts, but I've been phoning them in because yeah. I'm getting good money at Travel Channel. Right. And, and at this point, are you married with kids? Married with kids. Right. Two kids. I wish I knew years would be important in this, but I'm really bad at like figuring out when this was. I I can actually tell you, it was 2017. Okay. It was 2017 because I had, a, I had an outstanding offer from this great guy named Gary Garfinkel over at Showtime to shoot a special at Showtime. It's an outstanding offer. One of the coolest things that ever happened in my career. Coolest things. Uh, real short story, just to celebrate a man who's passed, Gary Garfinkel. Uh, I'll get emotional telling this, but it was really cool. So I go to Montreal to run my hour for all the network execs. It's really stressful. Small comedy club. I sell it out because Rogan's starting to build a base. And I'm in the green room. I'm nervous. And Gary Garfinkel comes up with a, a glass of scotch. And he sits it down and he says, congratulations. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, what a great fucking night. And I said, yeah. And he goes, you nervous? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, don't be. I said, really? And he goes, yeah, I'll buy your hour right now. He said, so know that I bought it and go out there and kill it and make it a bidding war. Oh, my God. He's a great fucking guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I cry on every fucking goddamn podcast. <laughs> Why the fuck do I cry so much? I think it's because I'm getting old. So, um, No, it's because you're feeling it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's, he was a great guy. He passed. Um, and so uh, I am – and so they tell me you, this you, – you shouldn't – you shouldn't be doing this show. You should focus on your podcast, focus on your stand-up. I shoot the Showtime for special. No one fucking watches it. No one watches it. Because I take my shirt off. There's the one note that this very sweet lady at Showtime said, like, if if you keep your shirt on, you you don't give them reason to change the channel. And I was like, what do you mean? Shit. She goes, if you take your shirt off, like, you're actually giving them a reason to go, I don't want to see that. And I, she goes, it's a, it's it's a real decision, it's a choice. And I went, yeah, but I haven't performed with my shirt on in like like eight years. I don't know what it. I don't. I, I'm uncomfortable with the shirt on. She's like, can we do one with your shirt on and one with your shirt off? And I was like, no, because you'll use one with my shirt on. Uh, absolutely. And so uh, so I did it with my shirt off. No one watched it. It was the lowest rated special Showtime had ever aired. I misread my contract. I posted all the clips from my special, including the machine story. I post all of them on my uh, on my Facebook. It's the lowest people have heard me say this before, but I'll, I'll reiterate it because I, I think I think our concentric circles of our fans is probably very small. Yes, um, it's the lowest point of my life. My wife is redoing our house. Uh, I've been let go from Travel Channel. I let Travel Channel call and they said, you know, we're not going to renew your contract. We don't have a space for you on this network. I, I, you say you want to be Anthony Bourdain. You are no Anthony Bourdain. We're moving on. Uh, I was supposed to do a funnier die tour that was it was a big thing. It was called Oddball. Uh, I got pulled off for no reason at all. Like just they were like, "eh, we'll save money, take him off," and, it, and which was crushing because I'd canceled my entire all my tour dates for the fall, 
for that. For that. Yeah. My best friend Tom Segura is fat shaming me. It's going viral, right? Uh, As a joke or it's actually it's a joke. Your it's a joke. It's okay. a joke. But it was it started. It, he was fatter than me at the time, so it was ironically funny. Yes. But it was a joke. But it starts going viral, and I'm and I mean everything is falling apart in my life. I have one club date at Helium, and the manager on the ride back from radio, as I'm looking at a convenience store and a guy in basketball shorts, a wife beater, and a cigarette with slides and socks on, smoking a cigarette, and I'm looking at him going, "How nice is his?" Life. Going like he, you know, I bet he doesn't go to sleep worrying about work. He just wakes up going, oh, I'll have a cigarette. Guy isn't worried about health. He isn't worried about anything. I have had a very similar, yeah. like, where you're having to drive to something important or it's a big thing and there's a lot of pressure and you see someone just like building a fence, fucking drinking a coffee, walking a wiener dog, like just doing anything. Eating an like, ice cream cone. Right. I see people eat ice cream cones. I go, I would love to not give that much of a fuck. To be like, I'm just gonna suck down 1,200. Like, I would love to be there. I would love to. Now, I do it on my own time in different ways, but just the callousness in the street to be like, ah, ah. it's such a, I, yeah. So I'm driving, and the manager of the Helium Comedy Club looks at me. I'm not looking at this guy going, how great is his life? And he goes, how much longer can you do this? And I went, what? And he goes, I mean, like, what are you gonna do this when you're 50? And I went, I never thought of that. I'm like, Jesus Christ. I, I, it is, everything is a, coming to a head in my life. She, my wife wanted me to get a vasectomy. Everything's <laughs> happening. Everything's happening in my life. And uh, How old were you, do you know? 40, 44, I'm guessing. Okay. What, I don't know, what's 2017? Was that six years ago? Six years ago. I would say six years ago. I'm 44, 43. 44, okay. I just turned 44. Okay. I, to, to make things, to, to bring it all to a head, I am getting paid $25,000 to do New Year's Eve at Oxnard at Oxnard's Levity Live and no one shows up. No one. And I realize I'm in, I'm now in this weird spot you never want to be in the entertainment business where I know that I have tour dates set up for the year, but I know I'm not going to fill those seats. And I know that I'm being overpaid and I know that I'll get this one run and I will go back down to like $1500 a weekend. Yeah. All of this is happening. Tom's fat shaming me. Rogan's loving it. He's like, we should do weight loss challenges on the thing. The only solace I have at this time is I stop giving a fuck about what anyone says and I start focusing on me. And I start making content. I was doing a vlog. I was posting and I learned how to edit. I learned how to post. I start doing promo videos to promote the sh upcoming shows. I'm learning all of this at that time and I start editing videos to make fun of Tom because we're doing this weight loss challenge that's going to air on Rogan the first three days of the new year. We're going to do three consecutive episodes, the loser of which gets his beard shaved. The person who lo loses the most weight shaves the other person's beard. I'm in therapy. All of this is – and, and the machine story goes viral. I wake up one morning and my wife's like, uh, I think your story's going viral. And I was like, what? She was like – Three million people watched it. And I'm like, whoo. And I'm what every time I'm refreshing, it's another 150,000, 200,000. And then and I'm and I'm I'm but I'm I'm still oblivious to what that means. We do the weight loss challenge. We have a fucking blast doing it. I lose. I get my beard shaved. We laugh hysterically. It's like the funniest Rogan episodes I've ever been on. Uh I go to do my next weekend and um and it's uh and it's sold out in a blizzard. And I'm like, oh my God, that's interesting. I'm like 
That's so crazy. Well, I guess I guess I, mean, I guess my fears aren't that bad. Maybe every, maybe it's because of the Rogan thing. I go to close my show and I'm like, thank you. And the guy goes, the machine. And I was like, no, no, I'm done telling it. And he was like, he was like, the fuck you are. I brought 12 people to hear that story tell it. And I was like, huh? And everyone's like, yeah, we're here for the machine. And then I start looking and asking, and all my shows are sold out for the whole year. And I'm like, oh, that's insane. And and so yeah, I I was doing stand up, but at this point now, I got Rogan, I got Tommy, who are like, yo, we'll get you sponsors. Uh, I'll get you sponsors to get you your podcast funded. And so you got to get over fifty thousand downloads per episode. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. So now I have a goal, and then I, and I start making these promo videos, going like very simple. If I've got a show here, I'm gonna start making posters. I'm gonna post the posters on Instagram. I start coming up with my own plan. Like Bert's in charge. Bert's the CEO of this company. Bert's doing all. I'm editing my podcast. I'm posting my podcast. The first week I get ads, I get fifteen hundred dollars per read, and I, which isn't doesn't sound like a ton of money, but I do five reads, and I do the math, and I go, hold on, no managers, no agents get paid off that. I split it with just the ad sales rep, and I go, I just made more money than I made at Travel Channel. And my paradigm shifts. Yep. Like, and, I, and that's when we all lean into this, fuck everyone. Yep. I remember people came to us about TV shows, and recently, very recently, during the pandemic, people, like right during the beginning of the pandemic, people came to us TV shows, and they're like, hey, we want to uh, pay you dot, dot, dot. And I remember going like, I... I make that in a read. Right. Like that's one read. Right. That's one minute of work for me for what you want me to do in three days. Yes. And then I was like, well, and so all of us kind of like withdrew from the business and we're like, we have no boss. It's just us and our fans. It's a simple communication. And 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 they start building. And, and you know, obviously Rogan turns into what what is Rogan. I don't think anyone, none of us saw that coming. Right. And Tom starts building his little YMH empire and and – producing other podcasts and he's doing theaters and then you know I do a couple of bump of theaters and a bump of uh, theaters now I'm doing arenas and then the movie gets bought and I mean th- and so I, to say am I comfortable with the success <laughs> it's been a slow road I'm very lucky that it happened later in my life but there's always a part of you that feels like you have hardcore imposter syndrome mm. because I I wasn't anointed by Hollywood. I I I've never had this one project that just skyrocketed me. It's always been this slow burn of like just got to move tickets. You just got to get a I got to get a podcast guest the next week. I, I need guests for my cooking show and it's just this like just almost like a long long walk where at some point you turn around and you're like holy shit. Where yeah. did I is that Look how far I've come. Yeah, look, and then, but you're like, I, I can't look backwards. I just got to keep looking forwards. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I, there's a part of me that really tries to enjoy everything. And then there's a part of me that's like, don't enjoy it too much because it might go away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Every time I get into a town car, I always go, this might be the last time I ever get into a town car. <laughs> I would hope you've made enough money by now that you can afford town cars. I can, but, I, but I've had that thought a lot. I've okay. done it. I, but yeah. Sometimes when I do two bears, it's a very profitable show. So I'll fly private back and forth. But every time I fly private to Austin, I or I always go. This might be the last time I fly private. <laughs> it's the last time you're. On and that's a very real yeah. one. Yeah. That's a very very real oh, one. Oh, I've definitely gone through seasons in my career where I exclusively flew private. It sort of does shift and ebb, and there are times where 
you have to fly private because otherwise you're not going to be able to make all of the things that people need you to make. If, it only makes I only do it if I can make more money. Right. It's like if 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 you can do a podcast, if I can do a po- if I can do three podcasts in a day, but I have an arena show the next day, then to there's no there, I, if commercial flights stop flying at a certain time, absolutely, and they aren't going to get you there, or you're going to have so many connections that you're going to be exhausted for your show. It makes sense, and I know that sounds crazy, but you got to spend money to make money. It was it's very difficult for me because I have a hard time spending money. I have a really hard time spending money. Wait, are you cheap? Uh, are you frugal? Are you? What do you I mean you have a hard I'm time cheap. spending I think money? I'm cheap. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Like I, like uh. How does this manifest? At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org. I I had a Rolex that someone gave me. My dad gave it to me, which I wore. It was a really nice one, and then... But when I did the the last, I don't one of my one of my tours, I started going like all my friends started getting Rolexes, and I was like, oh, those are really nice watches. I was like, maybe I'll buy a Rolex. And I was like, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna treat myself on this tour. I'm gonna buy one Rolex to remind me of this tour. Yeah. And so I was like, but I made it like, like uh, I turned it into an interest. Meaning, uh, there's no better thing than being like into something. Like it's it's so fun. This is gonna sound crazy, but like dogs. When you're looking to get a dog for your family, it's the funnest thing to be like, what breed should we get? And start reading on Dog 101 on YouTube on YouTube is so great. It's an animal planning show. Dog 101, and you learn about the breed. And a oh, Commodore, that seems like fun. Ooh, Doggo Argentino. I want to get, ooh, we should, maybe we should get a cat. What about a savanna cat? Ooh, an F1 savanna cat. And you do all this. It's so fun to do. And 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 I got and, and I started doing that with Rolexes. I started going like, what do I want? And I want to know what I want. And and then I and then they're hard to find. They were out of stock. No one had them. And you had to know someone to would bring you into oh, the dealer. Oh, you're getting like an upper level of Rolex. No, no, you're no. You're not getting the basic. No, 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 no. Just basic. They stopped selling Rolexes in stores and Rolex dealers uh, probably two years ago. They they ran out of inventory. No way. Oh yeah, <clears throat> it's impossible to get a Rolex. It's impossible to get a Rolex. There's one of the most valuable things you can buy. That's why I started getting into it. Yeah. Because you can't, you just can't get them. You got to know someone who knows someone to get you one. Or you're buying vintage. Or you, or you buy yeah. vintage, or you can get a dealer, this or you get a vintage. dealer. Yeah. Yeah. I already saw that. I like yeah, that. Thank you. Um, sea dweller. Uh, deep sea. Deep sea. Yeah. yeah deep yeah, sea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, I start going around. I, start, I see them, and every time I see one, I go, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, and this is opportunities I have to buy one. And they're like, I thought you were serious. I just couldn't pull the trigger. Cause I was like, I was like, it's, it's a lot of money. It's like, yeah. So like, even the ones I was looking at were all like 10, 12 grand. Yeah. I was like, that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. So I'm in Vegas and, uh, but what it, I'm sorry to be super rude, but the percentage of that cost versus how you make in a, how much you make in a single night. Yeah. 
That's okay. You, you sorry. Don't even, by the way, you don't even know what I make in a single night. Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't, but I'm like, it's a lot more than 12,000. It is, it is a lot more than 12,000. And so, but, but in a weird way, I have a hard time green lighting a $10,000 purchase in my head because I go, it's not, it's a stupid purchase. It's, a, it's frivolous. It's like frivolous. Like I, I should, I, I go, no, I'm not going to do it. And every time I get myself right there, I wanted it. I, I couldn't pull the trigger. I was like, no. So I get to one in Vegas, and and I take a picture of it. I send it to my dad, my wife, and Tommy. Um, Leanne, and Leanne, Leanne says, you should get it if you want it, which is a horrible thing to say because I'm like, well, I do want it, but yeah. I shouldn't get it. I shouldn't. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I was wearing a Garmin at the time. Like it was, I was like, this takes my heart rate. It's, 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 it's just, <laughs> yeah. Almost exactly the same thing. Yeah, and so so... My dad's like, it's nice, but it's a good looking watch. The lady, very nice lady in Las Vegas, had set, talked to me and said, We don't have any inventory. And then I was like, Yeah. She goes, What are you doing here? I said, I'm doing the Virgin Hotel. She goes, Huh? I said, I'm doing a show there. I'm doing two shows tonight. She went, Do you know uh, Dave? And I was like, Atel? She's like, No, Chappelle. I go, Oh, yeah, nah, not really, but yeah, I know, yeah. She goes, Do you know Joe? And I went, Yeah. And she went, Okay, I got your watch. And I went, Huh? And she goes, Go get him the Submariner, Black Submariner. I was like, huh? And she brought it out. She goes, this is your watch. And I was like, and then I got really nervous and I, t I texted everyone. And then Tom texted me. He said, you are busting your ass. You're making a ton of money. You deserve to treat yourself. This is not an expensive watch. It's $10,000. Yeah. It's not, you're not spending $50,000, $100,000, on a watch. This is, you can afford this. And he sends me this really sweet email. Leanne calls me. She goes, did you get the watch? And I was like, no, I walked out of the store. She goes, hold on. You deserve that watch. And then once they greenlit it, I went back and I was like, I'm getting the watch. And she goes, I knew you were getting the watch. Good. And so I got the watch and I loved it. I loved it. I would I would in my bunk in the bus and I'd look at it and I go, oh, I love this watch. Oh, I love this watch. I texted the lady. It's the reason I have a relationship with her today. I texted her one night. So cool to text people when they don't expect it to show them love. Yeah. And I texted her and I said, I just want you to know, I love my watch. Like, I love looking at it. It reminds me. I go, it's a fun story to tell that you were like, this is your watch. Yeah. And so you know what's even cooler is me and Tom did a show in Vegas. And I was like, yo, let's hit her up and have her just pick two watches for us. So I hit her up and she was like, cool, I'm not going to be there. Your watches will be ready for you. And I was like, ooh, I can't, ex I can't wait to see what watch I got. Like, it's almost like, and she got me the, I, it's exactly the watch I wanted. And so I was like, shut up. It was so fun. So like I love that energy. I love yeah. the like, and then I was wearing two Rolexes for like a week because I was like, was, I love this one. My wife gave me this one, and I I can't take yeah. this one off. Yeah, that's but good. Uh, but yeah, I like I like uh, I like loving things. I well, to me, I had wanted one forever, and I specifically wanted I like men's watches, and I women's love wrist. that watch. Yeah, um, and it was so fucking expensive. I'd never bought anything that expensive before, but I knew that it was a goal, I had the money to afford it, and every fucking time I have put this on my wrist, since then, two years ago, I am like, you are a badass. Yeah. You work fucking hard, yeah. and this is the thing. I don't buy purses, I'm not into clothes, I'm not, but this, yeah. like, this is my thing. So. I, I bought, so I, when I bought the, the recent one, it was so much the watch I wanted that I didn't tell anyone I wanted because I wanted to give it to my daughter Georgia. Oh, cool. And so and so we all went we were Georgia was home for a period and for like a little weekend or spring break 
and I had the watch, and I said, just so you know, when I said earlier I wanted to buy you a watch, this is the watch I wanted to buy you. And I pulled it out, and she put it on, and she goes, uh, this looks great. This is a good-looking watch. And I was like, yeah. She goes, I didn't know. I like a big watch. I go, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Isla, my fucking <laughs> lunatic, goes, what about the one on your wrist? I go, hang on. I'm getting buried in this watch. She goes, no, no, no. I want that watch. She goes, I want that. Let me see it. Put it on. And then she put it on, and she would put it on and hold it on her wrist like this. And so then they went through all my watches, and they're like, we're going to pick everything we want. Right, right. Yeah. And then I was like, that. what about my necklace? And they're like, keep it. Bury them in it. So... What is the necklace? Oh, my. Uh, uh, it's a bunch of saints, patron saint of hopeless cases, St. Jude. He's my guy. Yeah. I, I had a, the only time I think I've ever dealt with depression or uh, anxiety. Like, I deal with anxiety a lot. But legit, probably depression. I, I, and I, I say that half-heartedly because I don't know what, what it must be like to be really depressed. Cause mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just saying I, the thing I thought it was. Right was uh, when I was first moved to New York. I wasn't really doing stand-up yet. I had my one one-night stand I've ever had in my fucking life. You've only had one one-night stand? I, I mean, I had a lot of sex. I'm not a big sex guy. I mean, I'm a big sex. Wait, you haven't had, I haven't a, had lot a lot of, of se- I've sexual had a, partners. Partners, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of sex, but I've always been very monogamous. Right, right. I'm, uh, yeah. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't built that way, but yeah. then my first sexual experience was so bad that I was like, I'm built that way. <laughs> Like, I don't do this well. It's like if you sang karaoke and you were really off key and everyone laughed at you. Yeah. You'd be like, like I'm not doing karaoke again. in front of anyone. I'll sing in the shower, but I'm not doing it in front of other people. Like when you were a teenager? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, no. yeah. It was just bad. It was just not. It was. I guess everyone's is bad. Yeah, it's got to be. If you don't know that everyone's is bad, then right. you're like, it's just me. Right. Did the person have experience? Yeah, she had okay. been with someone else Okay, before. see, that also feels hard, I feel like, if you're yeah. a dude and you like feel like you have to know what you're doing. And she has experienced it before. Yeah, and she, I don't think, I don't mean, I don't know. I, I, I would love to like hit her up and like, <laughs> Be like, hey, do you remember? She has to remember, I'm sure, right? You would hope, but I hope so. yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty quick. <laughs> it was over so fast. Who even knows? It's like getting a booster shot, right? You're like, feel a little prick right. and it's uh, over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's only gonna sting a little. It's fine. It's fine. So, uh, the so I had whatever is I, depression and anxiety. It was anxiety and depression and whatever the fuck that was. And I was in New York, and I was like. I I was drinking a great deal trying to figure out what was going on in my brain. And I was behaving irrationally. Uh, internally, internally, but internally irrationally. Yes. And uh, and my wife, my life was crumbling. I got fired from Barnes & Noble for working out in the basement in my underwear. Like it was just everything was happening that, that shouldn't. <laughs> Wait, what? I, it was a long, it's a what long story. What did you do at Barnes & Noble, first of all? Just, just like a cashier? Books. Okay. Books. okay. I worked at the info desk. I shelved books in the travel section, oddly enough. There you go. Ended up working at Travel Channel. Great. But the you, if you went down to the, if you went down to the, um, if you went down to the basement, you had to take the freight elevator. And if you took the freight elevator, no one else could come down because you had the freight elevator. <laughs> so you had like a moment to yourself. And I went, it's the first real gay dude I met. I think his name was Andrew. Uh, this is your one night stand? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I w- kind of wish. Uh, he was what awesome. A turn. He was awesome. Yeah. He had come from the Midwest and he was, uh, he had, and he would in, been in the closet and then he moved to New York and he had adventure Free. stories yes. every Day he came home, he'd be like, Bless. "Um, let me tell you what happened last night." And we get in the freight elevator, take it down to the basement. I'd be like, "He'd light a joint." I'd be like, "Keep going," <laughs> and he so uh, 
so I, I started taking the freight elevator down because I was taking diet pills at the time. Uh, they're called Rip Fuel. Nice. I was taking nine a day. The and prescriptions. It, and you were irrational on the inside. It's shocking. Yeah, I know, right? Nine. We all, like, didn't everybody go through a diet pill phase, though? I hope so. Like, I definitely took something called Xenadren, which was basically oh, I took speed. That. I took yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And you just tweaked out. And yeah. I remember I was living in LA at the time and I was like 19 years old. And I would go everywhere and be like, I would tell my roommate, like, people are looking at us. Why are they looking at us? And I would trip balls, like, super paranoia. Oh, and yeah. it took me forever to realize it was the diet pills. Oh, I remember coming off the diet. The diet, the rip fuel, I, it took me a while because uh, I think we took Xenodrin too. I think my buddy might. Sounds right. But I would take three diet fuels, rip fuels in the morning, three rip fuels in the afternoon, three rip fuels at night. And I was humming. And I so I would go to Barnes & Noble and I would take the freight elevator down once or twice or three times a day down to the basement, and I wanted to get me in shape, and so I'd just do push-ups. I mean, I'd, I'd lift boxes. I did squats. I did everything, but there was no air conditioning in the Astro Place Barnes & Noble. Of course. So I'd take off all my clothes. Of course. And do, because I, I, the first time I do it, I come up, I'm soaking wet, and they're like, what's going on? I go, it's really hot in here, right? And they're like, it's not that hot. <laughs> and so I would take off all my clothes, I'd do my workout, and then I'd uh, put my clothes back on and come upstairs. And then one day, my manager, I think his name was Dwayne, said, uh, you spend a lot of time in the basement. I was like, well, yeah, the books are down there. He's like, yeah. Are they? Yeah. He's like, you're down there a lot. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you, you, you know we have cameras, right? And I was like, I didn't know that. And he was like, you're fired. <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, you know what's so, so funny about that story is as soon as he said he's, he was fired, there's a, there's a, another thing that happened in that, in, in, on that day that is that I, I've never never really spoken about, but they had hired. Dwayne had earlier asked me if I wanted to be a manager, and I laughed and I said, "At Barnes and Noble, he was a manager." I just laughed at the job he was offering me his job, and right. I, I go, "At Barnes and Noble, absolutely fucking not." And he goes, "Why?" I said, "I'm a comedian," and he looked at me and he goes, "Are you?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Looks to me like you work at Barnes and Noble," and I went. No, but I'm a comedian. He goes, how much money do you make doing that? I said, none. He goes, you work at Barnes & Noble. And then they hired a woman who was uh, spoke Russian. Now, I the the big thing for me right. was that I was I had this Russian. I, I never told them the story. But I, you know, I think on my application, I have a minor in Russian. I put that down. And he's like, Bert, you speak Russian? And I was like, yeah. And she walk, I walked in, and she said something. And I went, oh, конечно, конечно. I just said, of course, to whatever the fuck she said. I had no idea. And I got fired that day. And I got fired that day. And when he fired me, I said, I quit. And he goes, fantastic. And I went, really? And he goes, yeah. And I went, yeah. And then I got home. I, 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 my sister was in town. I had gotten up, gone to work, got fired when I got there, came home. She was like, you're back quick. I go, I quit. She goes, you quit? I go, well, he tried to fire me, but I quit. And my roommate, Ty, goes, so you're not getting unemployment. I said, what's that mean? And he goes, I go, is that why you said fantastic? And he goes, that's definitely why yeah, you said fantastic. Yeah, you missed out on that one. Spoke to Blunt with my sister and drank a 40. She goes, let's get fucked up. It was the greatest. Those moments. Not giving a fuck is the like there's powerful, you know, you did, we were listening to your podcast coming over here and there, like I, it was six things you refuse to tolerate. Yeah. We will be saying, don't yuck my yum for the rest of our fucking oh, lives. Oh, cool, We guys. will be saying, because I yuck his yum all the time. Oh, really? I yuck his yum. <laughs> and I, and I, we were, and I was, I was, we were going back and forth. I go, I hate when people yuck my yum. 
I go, Leanne yucks my yum sometimes. And he, he's, he's sitting there next to me. He's like, um, you definitely yuck my yum. What are what are some of the things you're? Oh, uh, I'll tell you what his <laughs> I'll tell you what his yums are. His yum. Man, you yucked my yum when I put on that shirt today. You're we like, yuck each other's yum. Okay. He uh, is very and in, very into fantasy uh, science fiction books. Like what? Oh, <laughs> get ready. I'm Hold ready. on. When I say when I say he's into it, like he is genuinely like genuinely. It's like it's his escape. And so we walked into a bookstore, I think, in 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 Europe. It was North Dakota. <laughs> I'm not good with details. Almost the same thing. And and so and and we were like, maybe we'll all get a book and we'll read a book. And he was like, okay. So he goes over the fantasy, and the guy goes, so what are you into? And Peter had read more books than the guy that worked at the bookstore, who was admittedly a diehard Santa sci sci-fi fan. Peter had he goes, have you read the the Tobars and he's like Tobar, two, all six of them. The looking into the window, into the mirror, into the window in the mirror, and he's like, oh, "You read those?" He's like, "I've read all of them twice." Next one, and the guy's like Philbin, and he's like Philbin. I've read uh, "Staring into the Sun," "Staring into the Sun with the Moon behind it." I mean, it was like he went. I'm yucking his yum right now as a joke, but he went. He knows all of it. My buddy, my buddy's. I probably can't say too much of this, but my buddy's producing a movie, and we were all sitting around, and. Uh, he goes, yeah, I got this movie, dot, dot, uh, uh, three, three paces to the dial or whatever. And, he, and Peter goes, are you doing book six or book three? Where are you starting? And he was like, you've read it? And he goes, I've read all of them, of course. Uh, and, and so it's, but it's so not like him because he's good looking. He's in great shape. He's athletic. You don't expect him to be to the be guy. To be a nerd. That, to be yeah, a nerd. I love it. And so I yuck his yum about that. And I said, I'm going to stop yucking your yum. I'm going to yum your yum. And I'm going to start reading fantasy books are you like do you go to like comic-con like you're no, that no, into no. it okay feels like you should try like yeah come on i bet you have a boss you for get his you birthday yeah. for his birthday we were in australia and we're like it's your birthday what do you want to do and he goes can we watch dune and we were like sure the original or the new one the new one okay and so and i'm also a book nerd not fantasy but i get it and so we put my mattress from my bed into the living room we put we turned it into a cuddle dungeon. Everyone that everyone that works just, for me more than just the two of you. Oh, correct? it was me. Okay, oh, it was more, no, it was a, I great. love to leave that in the air. It was just me and him. <laughs> cuddle dungeon. My trainer, my cameraman, my social media manager, Peter, my tour, uh, the openers. Holy the two, shit! We all sat in this room and watched Dune, and he was the only one that knew what was going on. So every time we'd be like, kind of go, who the fuck's this guy? Right, right. <laughs> kind of bright, and it was a dark movie. So yeah. You couldn't really see anything. It was very, it wasn't it, a, the right quality. Yeah. yeah. Denis, uh, I would, uh, I guess that's who directed it. Oh, okay. Denis. But uh, Deli, Denis Villanueva, I would love if in Dune 2, just a little more light. Just just slightly. Just, just a, turn just up the brightness. Just a little bit. But yeah, so uh, I don't know how I got onto this yucking. The yucking, the yum, and the it's his thing. And yeah, yeah Australia, it's his birthday. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, so. Um, yeah, I don't know how we got on that. I, I, I'm talking sure about I, my podcast you guys were listening to on the way over. Yeah. Um, you did say something, though, that I would love to understand because I'm fascinated by this. What does it take for you to travel on the road and do all of these? Number one, how many shows? If you're doing a world tour, how many shows is that? Uh, I'm going to ballpark it at probably 80. Holy shit. Uh, and is that a year, 18 months? What does that look like? It's a year. 
so it used to be, I used to be able to get through 30 cities in like, in like, in like 10 weeks, nine weeks. Um, I, 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 but that was when I was doing theaters. You do two shows a night. We're, we're oh, doing arenas it. right now. So, or I'm doing arenas. It's not, it feels weird to say. So it is like a brag, but it's, it's also, it's so incredible. that's why I say the we, because yeah. I go, because it is a we, it's, it's 18 people. Like I have, I, I travel with 18 people at all times for every show, Yeah. but I personally travel with probably seven at any given time. And it's really weird because at times this tour manager, Gavin, it used to be just me and him when I go to Australia, mm. just me and him. He's an old hell's angel and it was just me and him. And this year, I went, I, when I showed up, I showed up with seven people. And we had to have a sprinter van, and we had to have a, a caboose carrying all our luggage. And he looked at me, and he was kind of like, he's known me. I've, this is my third tour with him in Australia. And he's like, things have changed. And I was like, yeah. He was like, this is, he's like, personal trainer? Yeah. I was like, yeah. I only bring my personal trainer with me because without her, I'm not healthy at all. Yeah, you like, need cause, accountability. Because yeah. I party, but if she's there... Then I do wake up in the morning and I do work out. And the only way I can I can right my boat is by working out. Yeah. I have to work out really hard, not like kind of hard, like aggressively hard. Today I did today I did uh, cardio uh, squats. I did five six rounds of squats, uh, descending in in weight or descending in 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 reps versus raising in weight. Then I did four AMRAPs. I did a six-minute AMRAP, a five-minute AMRAP, a four-minute AMRAP, a three-minute AMRAP, and then I was supposed to do a Tabata, but I, I my face was getting red, and I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna look like a, a like a the inside of a watermelon for this podcast, right? Right. So, um, but so I work out really hard, and I think it's the only reason I can party the way I do and and just get through my day. Yeah, it's crazy it's, because yeah. it used to be. It's always been just me. Yeah, it's always. I say that all the time. I always say I used to do all of this. I used to do my social media. I'd post my podcast. I'd I'd get the phone call about my tour dates. I'd book my tour dates. I'd fly. I'd I'd sell my own merch. I'd pack my own merch. I'd do it all myself. And then the first, the first card to fall was a personal assistant. And I, I, the first card to fall was a, a tour manager. I needed a tour manager because we got a bus and we were like okay. And then I got a personal assistant. And then. I hired a cameraman to help me get content, and then I hired my cousin, who was an editor and a cameraman. And then, and then the pandemic hit, and I realized how many people I was a paycheck for. And so I hired everyone, and I said, "We'll just." I created a tour. I won some awards for it, but I created a tour during the pandemic that no one was touring. And then I said, uh, "What if we did drive-in movie theaters?" Yeah. And so uh, no one had done it, and my my uh, agent got a got a. Uh, EDM producer promoter to figure out how to do it. We brought in our own stage. We connected the. We had a four camera shoot that we shoot onto the big drive-in movie theater theater screen. All the audio got pumped into the car seamlessly, so it was it was seamless audio. And we did. I, I was I signed up to do like four dates, and we ended up doing thirty cities. Wow! And during the pandemic, and but what, but what happened is we did four four dates, and then. The first night, everyone, we were in North Carolina, and everyone came out. I had weed. No one had been around each other. I had weed. We're all tested, so we're all in this bubble, all of us. Not just my team, but a group of 12 people setting up stage, running cameras and all that. Bring out weed. We all have a beer. And everyone's like, dude, I was struggling. Yes. Thank yes. you for doing this. Like, 
thank you, man. And if you do any more, please, please hit me up. And I was like, so I called my agent. And I was like, just book us out for the as long as you can. Wow. So we stayed on the road. We lived on the road during the pandemic and did 30 cities. I think we did. I think we did something like 70 shows. And how do you manage that and have a family at the same time? <laughs> oh, no. I wish I had an answer for that. Well, is it, and, and I, every family is structured in a different way, yeah. but is it like, do they go with you or no? no. no. You, it's just like, this is your job. You're going to yeah. go do this thing. And then how often do you get to see them when you're on the road? I don't know, not often. <laughs> I, wish there was like a, I wish there was like a good answer for this. I wish someone like, I know that I know what I'm supposed to say. No, right? you don't like, have, I, know, I am like, genuinely it's, curious. It's, it is, it is, it can be uh, depressing if you look at it in a microscope. Yeah. But when you look at it in in the wide shot, it's it's not as bad as you think. Like, yes, I go to Europe for a month and do a tour. I go to Australia for a month and do a tour. I go on the road and, and at times, as busy as I am, it, it isn't. And with doing a podcast in Austin, it isn't time effective to fly back to L.A. and then fly out on the road. So I, or I just go to Austin and do podcasts and then come home. And I live on the road for like right. a month. Um it's all my daughters really know. I'm not yeah. saying it's ideal, yeah. but it's it's like, and I used to defend it by saying, you know, dads go to Afghanistan for yeah. two years. Yeah, dads do certain things. Parents, I, oh, I yeah. won't say dads, but yeah. like parents do certain things. Ali Wong runs a very successful business. She has an amazing show on Netflix. She's got two young kids, yeah. and she produced it, starred in it, helped write it. I mean, she's parents do. Yeah. Make sacrifices and kids make sacrifices, families make sacrifices. I I don't know. I, I mean it, it sucks. It sucks. I'm very emotional about it. Like I get I uh like if I talk about it, like uh, there's this clip of me and this guy, Chris Stefan, who's a young comic, and he just has like two kids and he's like, he gets emotional. It's a good clip if you want to anyone wants to find it. And he goes, You know, I'm on the road and I'm saying like I'm watching my daughter swim eat on a phone and I'm thinking, you know, it's good money, but is it worth it? And he's like, tell me how you do it. And I just start bawling, crying. And I go, I'm drinking at 10 in the morning. It doesn't get better. <laughs> so No, yeah. I, the reason I ask is not because I think there's any one right way to be. It's because I think it's very easy for people to see your level of success mm -hmm. and not obviously see the backstory that you've told us about today, but also not see the sacrifice. Like I think especially with your brand can seem – Silly. Yeah. That's yeah. I, no, I don't no, no, mean no, no. that offensively. My, I don't. I've never. I've never wanted to be a serious dude. Right. Right. I'm not a serious guy. I'm not a good serious guy. Like, uh, like if if uh, I don't know about whatever's going on, meaning I, I understand the big picture of what's going on in the world, but like, I'm not a guy who, like, I'm I'm not a I'm not a a guy that's going to talk about a lot of social issues because that's not my job. That's not my job. It, right. it is other comics' job, right. but it's not my job. My job is to make sure that if you're going through some shit, you can disappear and come to my show and you won't think about your shit. That's it. It's like I, that's what comedy did for me and it's what I want to do for comedy. Um, I would love – I've tried at times to – and I've done it good and bad I think at times, but like to – you know to like things that I thought were important. You know, you in the, that same podcast, you talked about normalizing women or bleeders having periods. I love that you call them bleeders. I love, <laughs> I'm stealing that. I'm going to start calling, Please I do. only have sex with bleeders. <laughs> and so, and so it's the greatest. It's the, I'm totally stealing that. And so, um, and I, and, and, and I did a, I did a bit about my, my daughter having her period on, on one of my, uh, 
on one of my specials. Oh, right. Yes, I saw this period one where you party. had to go. Yes, yeah. And, I, and, and in Australia, they were, it was not, it was not normalized to, to talk about that. And I got in trouble for it. And But I got in trouble. I knew no. I was getting in trouble for it. I had gone in and I said in a pre-interview, you know, what would you like to talk about? And I said, you know, I got this, this, this. And then I was like my, and it was, I think it was a young lady doing the pre-interview and was like, I told her about, I, she goes, I, I saw this thing that you did on Conan about your daughter having her period and you throwing a period party. Can you talk about that? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. But I go, is that okay? And she goes, I don't think so, but I think it'll be great. Like, I think it'll be, she goes, well, you know, I think the majority of Australia is, but there's an older group. And she goes, one of the guys is, is not going to like it. So if you're prepared, and I was like, yeah, fuck that guy. So I talked about it, and he came out the next day in the paper and was like, that's disgusting. Fuck we do not that. speak fuck about women's that. periods. Oh, my God. And so, and but then adversely, like, I did it because I was like, I was like, yeah. You know, also, you know, I, Georgia had a rough time with getting her period. It was, like, really tough for her. Really tough. I mean, I, I wasn't there, thankfully. <laughs> The joke I think I said is I would have been like, what was the joke I said? I wish I was. it was good. I would thank God I wasn't there. I would have been like, oh, all right, you go to the river and do laundry for a week. You're dirty. Oh. And so, so uh, but I knew it was hard for her. And so when Isla figured this workaround for herself, I thought sharing it was the coolest thing you could do for other little girls that were going to have a hard time with it. And now, granted, I probably should have consulted both of them first before I talked about their period. No way you did. Oh, no. okay. I was gonna ask this because you do share a lot of stories about the women in your life. Yeah, but all, they don't all, all know in advance. No, no. I got this story about Isla in therapy. That's so fucking good. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and I know that she may not want people to for me to talk about. I go look. Therapy's everyone's in therapy. Everybody's in. Leanne therapy. put us all in therapy. Yeah, good for Leanne. Like, everyone's in fucking therapy, and. It's so good. She goes, she told her therapist, she said to me, she's like, uh, she's like, uh, my therapist said that you're, that you making me sit on your lap after a fight isn't, is, you know, I, that I shouldn't do that. I go, hold on. I've never made you sit on my lap. She goes, I know, but like my, I was telling her what really happened and she didn't seem to agree with me. So I had to make it a little worse. So she understood how I felt. And I go, you're lying in your therapy? And she goes, well, not, I don't consider it lying. And Leanne goes, this is what you do. And I went, no. And then I go, I need to talk to your therapist. Huh? And Isla goes, oh, she would love to meet you. And just walks out. <laughs> there was one time where where I, had during the pandemic, I took Isla therapy. And I was, and it was like, it was fucking no one out. No one out. And so I'm not going to just drive home. I'm by myself. Leanne in Georgia or somewhere. And so I, I, pull, I just pull in the parking lot. I take off my shirt, I light a cigar, and I sit on the hood of my car, smoking a cigar for Getting some sunshine. And Isla walks in, and her therapist is looking out the window at me and goes, take a look at this guy. And Isla goes, huh? And she goes, look at this, look at this guy. And Isla goes, uh, that's my dad. Perfect place to start. <laughs> and so, so yeah, like I would love to talk about that on stage. I can talk about it on a podcast because, right. like, part of me goes, but once it goes into a special, that's when, yeah. like, that's when they lately, like, I, there was a joke that Isla told me that I offered her $10,000 to put in the special, and she said no. It was so good. Oh my God. It was so good. I don't remember which one it is. It feels like a newer one of yours that I have to 
tell you the ending story where you guys go to a escape room. This is a new one. Rise I literally Apple. could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I could not. So catch wait, can my I breath. tell you? Can I tell you? Yes. The, how the sausage is made on that one? Yes. Which is really interesting. Pete was there. We were. I was on stage, and my daughter Georgia's in college, and I'm I'm figuring out this hour now. I had more material than I needed, but I didn't have a closer per se. So I, I do Netflix specials a little differently than maybe everyone else. Um, I'm hyper aware of the analytics, so I make sure that my best joke, my closer, is at 22 minutes. And at the time, my closer was this raffle story of, oh, yeah, of yeah. buying all the raffle tickets. Yeah. And so that was my closer. It killed. When Leanne goes, that's me, yeah. the pace goes nuts. So I moved it to 22 minutes, and I didn't have a closer. How long is the whole special? Uh, 57 minutes. Oh, so you're doing your closer at halfway? Yeah, because because Netflix analytics said that people only watch 30 minutes of a special. So I figured if you're only going to watch 30 minutes Smart. of a special, take your closer, put it at th- have it end at 30 minutes, and if they only watch that, then at least they've seen you putting your best foot forward. Yeah. But if you do that, and and it's been proven with my specials, uh, my rate of retention is the high, is 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 very high, and so people watch. Case in point, you watched right. my whole special. Right. Well, the reason you did is if I had done it the way we used to do specials, you would have gotten to 32 minutes and been like, I think I got it all. Yeah. And But what you do is you go, well, I'm just going to hammer you. I'm going to yeah. give you – I'm really I'm really uh, obsessed about how to create a special. So, um, so I didn't have a closer. And I'm on stage and Georgia uh, – calls me on stage she's at college I mean, so if you get a call from your daughter at college you're like what what's up what's going yeah. on she's like nothing i'm just calling you I, I haven't talked to you in a while and i was like okay do you need anything she's like no what what's wrong and i was like i'm on stage she goes oh what are you talking about and i said and i'm on speaker of and, course. I, and i go i go nothing i go i don't have a closer and she goes did you tell the escape room story and i go what she goes do you remember when we we took nana and papa to the escape room i was like no i, I didn't tell that story she goes you should tell that story i go i don't I don't really remember it. And she goes, remember, we only really wanted to go to watch Papa lose his shit, and the audience laughs. And I go, oh, yeah. And she goes, and you had a panic attack? Audience laughs again. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then she goes, do you remember it wasn't in a mall, it was in a dude's house? Big pop from the audience. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she goes, do you remember that you were gonna you were gonna shit your pants and Papa threw Nana into the wall? And then, and I was, and the audience is going crazy. I go, keep going, keep going. And she goes, that's it. I'll talk to you later. I love you. And hangs up. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. And so literally, I, I mean, I, I started a group chat with everyone. I was like, what? I don't remember it. I, I literally had a panic attack in there. So I don't remember the, the, the nuances of the story to, enough to tell it. And, and, and then I, and that became a closer. And, but Georgia kind of, Georgia, some, uh, a good Russell Howard. Is that Russell Howard? Is it Russell Howard? A great comic um, in, uh, in, in the UK said, and I didn't really get the reference and I still don't. Uh, I was talking about my daughters and he goes, she's your Jiminy Cricket. And I went, yeah. Okay, I don't really get it. Jiminy Cricket was the was Pinocchio's conscience. He was the person yeah. who like helped keep him oh, straight and like yeah. figure stuff out. Yeah. Georgia was Georgia is yeah. my Jiminy Cricket. Thank yeah. you. I, yeah. I list, I nodded and I went, right. Yeah. I never researched You're like, never it. Che- yeah. you had to check it out. Um I when I was watching that, I was wondering, this sounds so stupid, forgive me if it's a dumb question, but do you make up things to make a joke funnier? I don't I won't necessarily make things up. And I and I have tried to to because I go that would be great if that happened right um, only because what happens when you make things up is they become for me 
not from and I, I've seen other comics do it and it, it works brilliantly. Okay. But like for me, uh, I go way too fantastic. And, like, I, for, and then I aliens came. And I, but yeah. I'm unaware that it's too fantastic. Yeah. And then people are like, huh? Right. Uh, I, 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 I mean, yeah. And so what I will do is I will, I will withhold information that would, would make you feel something. Do you have an example? I have a perfect example. Okay. Uh, at the end of the machine story, yeah, this is one I'm most famous for. Is my yeah. movie, yeah, is is based on this yes. one story, which we haven't even talked about. I haven't even talked about the movie. I'm so but, excited just based um, on the trailer. But uh, the um, the end of the story when Igor went, everything is everything is factually accurate. <laughs> when he goes to the cop and he starts getting in the cop's face, fuck you. We me, and and then the cop looks at me and goes, and I, and I walk over. Real actual thought. I, I my actual thought. This isn't how I planned on spending my second junior year in college, in the gulag in Russia. I'm in trouble. I'm going to jail. Now halfway through that walk, I realized that the cop and Igor were smiling to each other. And I was like, oh, shit. And by the time I got to the cop, I realized I'm not in trouble. By the time I got there, I already realized, I think I'm cool. I don't think I'm in trouble. And the cop's laughing, and he just smiles, and he gets in real close, and he goes, so I understand you're the machine. 100% (laughs) true. But I leave it in the story. I withhold information so that you feel like I'm going to jail. Right. Um, What's he going to say? You you have to do it that way because it's it's how you tell a story. You know, I'll I'll withhold I'll withhold a fact. To, to, to let it reveal. I have a perfect example. I have a perfect example. Georgia, when she was young, broke her jaw. Uh, Crocs. Tripped on Crocs. That's why I've never worn Crocs to this day. I've never put a pair of Crocs on my fucking feet. She broke her jaw. Uh, doctor said, it happens all the time in Crocs. That's what the doctor said. Watch Crocs stock. Stock is just going to plummet. I know. Just that. They were waiting for you to talk shit, and now it's going down. Broke her jaw. I was not a good, I was not a, like, a good parent yet. Like I was still young dad. Uh, I melted down. We had to take her in to get her surgery in Beverly Hills. Really expensive doctor. Leanne told me, uh, uh, <laughs> take a Xanax because I, I don't need to deal with two children. Right. Like I, I was gonna stay with her, your sisters, but we need to be there for us. So we take her in. We take her into the dentist early in the morning, six in the morning, seven in the morning. It's before anyone. He shoves us in. It's an emergency surgery Monday morning. Um, they go to put her down, and they can't find a vein. And they're like, okay. So the doctor says to me, listen, we're going to put gas over her face, but we need her breathing evenly. So you need to, because if she holds her breath and then breathes it, we need her breathing evenly and calm. That's how, you, that's how you receive gas. So it would be really helpful if you could help us do this. And I'm like, hold on. I'm not the parent for hey, this. Mate. I'm not the parent for this. And they're like, but Georgia keeps going, dad, dad. And so I go, okay. So I I... I'm with him. I, we have the gas. I said, baby, we're going to breathe in the gas. It's sweet air. It tastes really good. She's like, okay, what happens when I breathe it in? I said, you're going to go to sleep. She says, what if I don't wake up? And I'm like, it's a great question. Hold on. I go, she's wondering what happens if she doesn't wake up. And then I say, do we like, do we take the body home with us? And I'm like, okay, this isn't good. Like I'm melting down. I was like, maybe I deserve the gas. And so Leanne's like, Leanne's like, honey, calm down, help him. And I'm like, okay. 
I go, baby, I promise you're waking up. And I'm like, please say this promise fucking follows through. I don't know if I can live my life without this child. And I go, okay, you're going to be fine. And I go, breathe, breathe with me. Breathe, let's breathe. And so we breathe and they put it over her face and she goes out. And immediately they're like, it's go time. Everyone out of the fucking room. I melt down. I mean, sobbing, crying so that I go into the bathroom. I go into the bathroom. I'm crying so hard. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm laughing at how vulnerable I allowed myself to become. I am sobbing, crying uncontrollably. I go into the waiting room after five minutes in the bathroom. I go into the waiting room. Leanne's crying in the waiting room. The waiting room's now packed. There's people in there. The, the It's open for business. There's a kid looking at his dad going, you said this wasn't going to be that bad. And there's this black woman who's like trying to calm me down. Like she's looking at me, trying to make eye contact. You know how black women can kind of, you've seen the matrix they can <laughs> relax you and so she's like she's like and but I'm, I'm not having it i'm so blurry eyed and crying uncontrollably in front of strangers for 10 minutes 10 minutes un-sobbing what if she doesn't wake up they come out it's been 15 minutes now they come out and they go your daughter's fine the whole waiting room applause thank god <laughs> We go get her. It's an expensive dentist. We she's got gauze in her mouth, blood all over. They've pulled the teeth. They've reset whatever they need to do. They take us into the a little uh, couch area with a curtain, like in a little receiving room, to let her wake up. And Leanne holds her. I'm standing. I'm shaking now. I'm, I'm in front of the curtain, and I'm just going, "We're fine. We're fine." Curtain opens. It's the black chick, Whitney Houston. What? Whitney Houston. Puts her arm around me and she goes, it's tough being a daddy. And I was like, it's Whitney fucking Houston. Leanne, no, bro, Leanne I swear, no. on, my ch- on my child's life, on my child's fucking life, <laughs> on my child's life, may she, um, may my whole family be struck down. I swear to God, on my, on my life. Leanne drops Georgia. She's like, go. Leanne, Whitney Houston sits down with Leanne on the couch, starts stroking Georgia's hair. And it's like, I've been there. It's tough being a parent. It never goes away. Like, we have this great fucking five minutes with Whitney Houston. She starts singing. She's like, <laughs> I will always. Georgia starts away at Whitney. And so, no, that didn't happen. But the doctor goes, Miss uh, Houston? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, hey. And now she leaves the curtain. He goes, where's Kevin Costner? And and, Are you fucking and kidding? Swear to God, swear to God. And Whitney Houston says, uh, someone put me to sleep now. <laughs> now, here's the caveat. We got the anesthesiologist was available because Whitney Houston had an appointment. Whitney Houston gets put under to get her teeth done. So we got that. And Whitney Houston paid for the fucking anesthesiologist. Now, here's the thing. When you ask if I if I lie during a story, okay? okay? No, there's no lie in that story. Okay. But if my wife told you the story, right. she'd go, did I tell you about the time we met Whitney Houston? And I go, you save it for the fucking end. That's the end of the fucking story. Well, no. We got in the waiting room. She was in the way. I knew it was Whitney Houston. What do you think? I'm stupid. I'm not going to recognize no Whitney Houston. She was sitting right there. She had two big bodyguards. Who the fuck comes to a dentist's office with two 600-pound men that sit right next to Whitney fucking Houston? Is one of the most beautiful women in the world was sitting in the waiting room. I'm like, that's not how you tell a fucking story. Learn how to tell a fucking Moby Dick. Did I ever tell you about the time that captain got killed by a whale? No, it's you fucking... Tell the story. Learn how to tell the fucking story. And Leanne goes, I knew it was Whitney. Well, you made me look stupid. You didn't think I knew Whitney Houston? I knew Whitney Houston. 
My wife's not that redneck. But even even I that, like that, it. like when you go, when you go, how like how do you like how much truth is in your story? There's truth in my wife's accent. But but I make it a little worse and right. she fucking hates With it. With every special, it gets more yeah. and more pronounced, yeah. which is my yeah. I come from some pretty white trash stock. So oh, I really sh- appreciate the Leanne stories. Yeah. So. How do you work out a new like that story? Yeah. Because I don't know. Oh, that story is just. It's no, just, I mean, like, if you're going to build a new special, let's mm-hmm. say, do you go, do you have jokes on your phone? Do you take a notebook? Like, how do you start trying to figure out how to tell a joke? Uh, a lot of it's writing on stage. So Peter sits off to this side of the stage and will write down everything I do, like write my set list. And he's really good. Now he really knows me. And so anything new, he'll write down and kind of highlight. And then we'll compile all the new shit. Uh, any, I'm not really good at recognizing anymore. I'm not really good at recognizing good stuff. Um, my family's better at going like, did you talk about that? And I'm like, oh shit. And then if I tell you the story, I'm, I mean, I don't mean this arrogantly, but I'm really good at, I've always been really good at telling a story. Mm -hmm. Like I've always been able to read a room and tell a story. I've gotten much better. I think the machine changed my life. That story, uh, I was, I was forced to work on it because I told on Rogan and Rogan's like, you have to tell it on stage. On his podcast, and everyone's like, "No," I was like, "It's, it's a stage. It's not a stage story." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no." And he said to his audience, "You chant out the machine until he tells it. Make him tell the story on stage. He's only been known this machine." And so I had to start telling it. And so I told it for about four years before it got good. I mean, it's a long time to tell a story wow. and have it bomb. But in doing that, I learned a lot of valuable, a lot of valuable uh, techniques in storytelling. And number one is. Uh, something I like to do. Something number one is you need to have an ending. A story has to end. Like a story that doesn't end is is the fucking Hobbit. Like the fucking when you got done, you're like, hold on, what's the re- what happens next? You go, oh, they did another one, and you're like, oh, cool. So I guess we're gonna wait eight months to st- for the end of the story, right. and they're like, oh, that won't end it either. <laughs> and you're like, oh, great. So these are episodes? Yeah. Like a story needs an ending. Mm. It needs a solid ending. And I I learned that with the machine. And then I learned it on accident with this really cool moment. Isla was, uh, I had a joke about Isla keeping her deodorant, deodorant in the refrigerator. And she was she would keep her deodorant in the refrigerator and then she'd rub it under her nose. And I was like, I go, what the fuck is that? She's like, mind your own business. <laughs> and so she, Isla was the most unique human being that I think has ever walked on this earth mm. uh, until she, someone yucked her yum. And that's, that's why I like that phrase. Yeah. And so, um, and, but I, then I had another story about Isla. I was on edibles and I, and, uh, and I, I thought I was done parenting for the day. And Leanne's like, hey, Isla needs to talk to you. It's like midnight. And I go, I'm, baby, I'm not in a place to talk to her. She's like, she's freaking out. She needs to talk to you. So I walk in a room, and uh, and, I, and this is a perfect example of like these are two stories, right? And the, changing the facts really helps. Changing the just the little the, the location for me helped the story maneuver. So I I was liberal with changing the location, but uh, I walked into a room. This is the true story. I walked into a room, and she goes, "I was like, hey, what's up?" She's like, "Hey, come here." I go, "Okay." She goes closer. So I get all the way down to the bed, and she looks at me. And she goes, "Do you believe in time travel?" And I'm like, "Wait, what?" By the way, I'm high as shit, and I do believe in time travel. So I'm like, yeah, why? And she goes, would it be possible for me to come back from the future to tell myself a secret? And I'm like, yeah. 
I go, why? What's the secret? And she goes, that's all I need to know. Good night. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. What? And she goes, Dad, I'm, I need to go to bed. That's all I need to know. And I walked out of the room, and Leanne's like, what was it? What did she want to talk to you about? I go, nothing, nothing. So then what, ha- what happened is one night I got, and now those were two stories that were just like, dun-dun, dun-dun. And one night I was drunk in Calgary, and I, t- and I messed it up. I said, I said, um, I started the story of the deodorant in the refrigerator, and then I and I stopped it midway through, of like she puts it on her nose. There was an end to it. I, she puts it on her nose, and, and then I and then I started telling the the marijuana story, and and in the middle of beginning of telling the marijuana story, I realized I I didn't finish the other story. Oh shit! But then I realized, wait, hold on. In the in the telling this, I was like, I bet I have an end to this. I bet I can mash these two up. Yeah. And so I said, I I look keeps her doing for the but I saw her one morning. She put it on her nose. The other night, I'm trying to make it help. I say, overserve myself edibles. Ila comes into my room in the middle of the night, and she's like, she's like, hey, do you believe in time travel? I said, yeah, I do. And she goes, why? She goes, that's all I need to know. She leaves. I go now. I'm high as shit, laying in the bed, going like. Is there a 30-year-old version of my daughter sitting in her bedroom going, what did he say? I told you I was real. Listen, your dad's going to die, but we can save his life. First, I need you to put your deodorant in the refrigerator. Time travel smells like shit. We're going to rub it under our lips. And so, and so, but like, but, and then what happened is the audience applauded and I I got off stage. I wish I knew the name of the comedian because he was a really good comic for only doing it four years. And I said, dude, that joke had like an applause break. He goes, oh yeah, I applauded too. I said, why? And he goes... Because I knew it was over. And I went, and then if you watch Hey Big Boy, every fucking story has a nifty bow tie on it. Yeah. Like I'm like, and ta-da. ta-da. And so you can't you can't get too smart for your own good. But like that was the number one thing I needed is like if you're gonna tell a story, you should let them know it's over. And do you, do you pay attention to, or maybe Peter pays attention to people laughing, like, oh my God, that killed them. They laughed so hard. Drag that beat out longer do that bit again because it's so funny. Like, how are you figuring out the pacing of those stories? The, he's good. Now, please correct me if I'm wrong. He's better at telling me when they're laughing for the wrong reason. Oh. Or like when it's a gross laugh. Oh, what do you mean? Or like, like, yeah, like things like that where you're like, you can say things that, I mean, there's a lot of comics that do it and, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm sure at times you can say things that makes them happy. Mm. You know, like, like I'm, I'm, I saw a comic. I won't say his name, and I hope, hopefully, he never sees this. I don't want to. I love. I love this dude. I'm gonna guess that most male comics do not listen to my podcast, so you're would, probably safe. Uh, he said, uh, "I don't believe in global warming," and the audience went nuts. And I went, "That's crazy." I wonder if he thinks that. Like, I wonder. He just is saying, "Hey, we all think alike, right?" Right. Like, and I was so I try to avoid that. But I, I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it at times. But. uh is it? Do you feel like it's cheap? Like it's a cheap laugh? Well, it's like you're not. It's not. You're not getting a laugh. You're just getting. You're like saying like like I could. There's a lot of things I could say that I assume my audience would be like, like yeah. Yeah. Have you always not given a fuck, or is that something? no? I give a. I give a, oh, the people. Anyone watching this that knows me knows I give a lot of fucks about. What a lot do you of give things. fucks about? I, I give a fuck about. Uh, I'm very sensitive. Oh. I'm very very sensitive. So like I don't. I stay I stay off of anything and I do, and I'm, I'm a dyslexic and I'm a bad reader. Mm. So if I get into the comments I read fast and I misread things and so people will try to compliment me and I'll take it as an insult 
And I'll be like, Pluto. and so I stay away from that. I stay away from, I'm off Twitter entirely. Yeah. I haven't been on Twitter for a while, except for a burner account that I created because Rogan sent me a fucking text about some shit that I wanted to see. And I, I was off Twitter and I, and I gave every, all my passwords to everyone else so I couldn't touch it. So then, and then, and then Twitter was like, would you like to create an account? And I was like, I can create an account. And then I was like, yeah, because I kind of missed Twitter news, right? Yeah. So I created an account. I meant to call, I meant, what I meant to write was the username, oops, I did it again. But what the account I created was, oops, I did it Asian. But what's even worse is I also misspelled Asian. <laughs> I didn't have my glasses on and I'm dyslexic. So then, so this is the last time. So I got I got off Twitter because I because it was too funny of a story. I had to tell everyone about it, and then now that right. burner account's dead. So right. I'm like, all right. So, and so, uh, so yeah. So I don't. So I'm super sensitive. I'm super sensitive. So I kind of like uh, like this movie will make me. I'm very vulnerable because yeah. I want everyone to like it, and, I, and there will be people, people that hate it. There has to be people that hate it. Absolutely. No, not everyone's gonna love this movie, and people will hate me. And that I'm very I'm hyper aware that that's gonna. Well, I, okay, so I find this fascinating. Uh, obviously, I have my version of this for sure. But I guess I just assume that when you're as successful as you are, when you're like a bro, it feels like you're sort of protected in this culture of a, that it, you don't give a fuck. That like if someone's like, I hate that guy, you're like, fuck you. I'm flying around on a golden jet. Like uh, it yeah. doesn't. That's, what, that's why they say fuck you. And then that's also why it hurts. <laughs> I, like it's, it's it, it, you know, there's... Like, uh, I, I, we got, me and Tom got a lot of heat for flying in private jets and posting it on Instagram. My whole take was like, you know, that's what regular people do. Like, I, I know you want to, I know you want to try to pinpoint this as we're now out of touch that yeah. we've changed. Right. No, the fact that we're videotaping ourselves on a private jet means that we are it's still normal, the same right. person because let me tell you, any one person that hates on us for videotaping us on a private jet, if they were put on a private jet, would immediately videotape 100%. themselves. It's what you do. Yes. My friend Sandy flew on a private jet from Oklahoma to LA. She flew on a private jet, and she sent us 20 of the dumbest pictures of her on a private jet. <laughs> and, 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 and they were 20. She took 20. She was by herself. She's just uh, uh, laying down, sunglasses up, glass of champagne. It's what you do. It's a natural thing. Right. When you get something really cool to happen to you in life, yeah. you want to remember it for yourself, and you also want to share it for your friends. What right. you don't realize is that you're your people that don't like you will also see up. So yeah. like I, st I, I, but, but I'm, I'm hyper. I am hyper aware that I am hyper aware that, uh, that I, I can overreact with sensitivity. And, and Tom has been really good at kind of pinpointing like, let's not, let's yeah. not. Don't worry. Just about don't even that. consume it. Yeah, don't consume it. So I, so I'm really off everything. But I'm sure. I'm sure it'll get back to me, or maybe the movie won't do well. There, I mean, there's so many things that like go where I go, like the you know I may people. I was talking to Kevin Smith the other day, and like you, you get a couple personalities, like uh, the machine. Like I am the machine. I am the machine. Today I'm the machine. I'm doing this interview. I'm having a fucking blast. Um, uh, I I will go home. I'm gonna have make Mark Hamill lunch. Shut uh, up. Okay, we have to talk about this because how do you have Luke Skywalker's your fucking dad? Was, Were you yeah. dying when he took that role? Uh, yeah. Or is he like yeah. your best friend no, secretly? No, no, and no, I don't no, know. No, it. no, okay. no, no. Uh, it was really, it was really cool. Um, uh, it was, it was, you know, 
we were in a Zoom meeting. My wife was a part of all the casting. Like she was, she, I'm not saying she was the casting director. She absolutely was not. But she was a, in every casting meeting. That's cool. Because well, it was it was people playing our family, playing her, right? Playing our f- daughters, uh, playing my dad. It was like you know, it was like very intimate. Uh, and so my wife had a really strong part in co- in casting the woman who played her. She fell in love with her, and then was like, "I love her." And what was she eating? <laughs> what were those called? Can when we cast her, will we find out? And so we cast her, and then Leanne texted her, "What was you eating?" She was like, they're called flip sides. I don't know why I'm giving Stephanie an accent. But um, but <laughs> but uh, so they we were on a, a conference call. I, I keep crediting Mary Parent, I, and I, I'm almost certain it's Mary Parent. But if it wasn't, I apologize. But Mary Parent's a gangster. She's a fucking gangster. I love, I love her. Uh, she runs Legendary, and she is a gangster. A gangster. Like if I mean this wholeheartedly, if my daughters grow up to be like Mary Parent, I'm I'm set. Like she just is. When you work for a woman like that, who is just in control, in charge, makes decisions, doesn't fuck around. Like it's just is a really inspiring thing to see. Cool, man or woman, but like having two girls. Yeah. So, um, Mary Parrot, we're on the phone. She just goes, uh, "I know who's going to play your father," and I was, we're like, "Really?" Now we had been talking about a bunch of different names. She goes. Uh, Mark Hamill, and everyone's like, Luke Skywalker? And she's like, Mark Hamill, we've set up a Zoom for next week. I want you to Zoom with him. Give me a call immediately. Tell me what you think. And I set up a Zoom with Mark Hamill, and the first thing he says to me is, why don't you wear a shirt? And that's exactly what my dad says. Wouldn't it be nice, like a nice collared shirt or a blazer? A blazer would let people know that you're there to work. And I'm like, this is my fucking dad. This is my dad to a T. And he was my dad to a T. And he does so many things that my dad does. There's so many par- there's so many parallels between Mark and my dad that uh that I and and there's so many parallels in so many parts of this movie that are like I, I, unwittingly we write a script about a father and his daughter not getting along and at that exact time that I leave for the movie, Georgia tries marijuana for the first time, I kind of fucking spin out. I start turning into this helicopter parent who because I was raised with a father who, when you did something wrong, his energy got here and everyone cowered. Well, I, I was a guy that was like, why, why aren't there f- fucking collars on the goddamn dogs? We keep <laughs> collars on the goddamn dogs. They're 150 pounds. I can't get you got everyone collars. Like so then if that's how we're dealing with collars on a dog, then why would I ever tell him I'm smoking weed? I might as well lie. And if I get caught, well, I know it's going to be at least collars on the dogs. Right. So, so... So, and, and so I'm dealing with all this, and I'm not connecting with Georgia, and who's my Jiminy Cricket, who's like my buddy, like my 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 wake up at five in the morning. Hey, do you want to go take a walk? And hey, Dad, this is the kid. This is hey, Dad. This might be the last time that we can hold hands because I'm getting older. And you're like, oh fuck, what the <laughs> fuck are you doing? Like this is a weird kid, you know? Like she's a really sensitive, tapped in, tuned in child, and so. Um, and so we go to do the movie, and the movie is about a father and his daughter having a disconnect. And 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 so now every scene with my daughter, played by Jess, is Jessica Bohr, is um, is like real. It's real. Like that we have a, a fight. One of my most at the beginning of the second act, very very end of the first act, we have a moment. Jess is a great actor. I'm not a great actor, but I, I'm good with working with great actors. <laughs> And she does this thing where, you know, Peter Tensio is like, I need you to, I need you to really like, 
I need you to pull it out of him. Like, you, he needs to break as a dad right now. And she, she got me to cry in the first take. I think we used it. She got me to cry. But she did it with this. She put water in her, not water, but she made herself cry. Her mm. eyes watered. And she's such an adorable young lady that you, I went, it's just like Georgia. They kind of look alike and, they, and they're friends. And I just was like, <sighs> I go, hold on. I, and I did what I do to Georgia. I go, don't fucking do that. Cause I, this is now broken Bert. Everyone get ready. This is broken Bert. I would, I did not like girls. I did not like, People crying in the house because I didn't think it was fair. I thought, I'm not allowed to cry. I got to use my words. You got to use your fucking words. So if Leanne or George or Isla cry, I go, don't fucking do that. Don't fucking, because now the conversation's over. I, you just won. And I did, I said exactly what I do. And I go, don't fucking do that. And then I think she had gone through some issues with her dad. And then she started crying. And she's like, no, you're making this about you. These are not in this, this is not in the script. And then I just go, this isn't fucking fair. This isn't, why are you doing this to me? I'm not the one. Like, it was such a real fucking scene. Leanne's there. Leanne's on set. I fall apart crying. I go into the garage. And they're like, cut. I'm in the garage. And they're, and they're like, come in the garage. Like, that was fucking amazing. I go, give me a second. Give me a second. Leanne comes in. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, I can't stop crying. I can't stop crying. And she's like, what's going on? I go, I'm thinking about Georgia. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. It was like, I can be emotional talking about it. But like, yeah, it was, uh, and then, and then, and then, I mean, there's so many parallels to this movie about my real life that like legit parallels that I would just, I mean, I, I it, it opened up floodgates in me crying that I have not been able to shut off. I'm welling up right now, but I'm just, I'm there, I think, you know, like yeah. I'm there as a dad and as a, like mostly right now where you're like, you just, I'm really tapped into, I cried the other night at dinner with my daughter. It was me and her. Leanne was doing this. She does this, uh, this lady's business has like a small business. And so for every year, Leanne throws a party there with her friends, they close the place down and they all just spend a bunch of money to help the ladies business. And uh, and across the street is a really nice restaurant, Vitello's. Mm. And so Isla's like, yo, let's go to dinner while mom does her shopping party and then we'll catch a ride with her home. And, uh, and it was just be me and you. And I was like, yeah, great. And so I don't know what we were talking about at dinner. I don't know how we were talking about this. But I... I started talking about my buddy who had passed away. He killed himself. Mm. And I started telling her a story. I'm not going to tell the story, so we know I'll cry. But I was, t- I was telling a story about when we met when he was seven in seventh grade and I was in ninth grade. I was friends with his older brother. And what happened the day we met, we were surfing, and it was he was just a very pure, pure, pure person. Pure person. And I started crying telling her the story. And that's how dialed in I am to my emotions. And then Isla just leans in and goes, hey, big guy. Everyone thinks I'm breaking up with you. Pull it together. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, what? She goes, they don't know we're dad and daughter. You're crying. This is awkward. Stop fucking crying. (laughs) Yeah. She got you out of it. Yeah, she got me out of it. She made me laugh. And then she said, if you ever cheat on my mom, I will never talk to you for the rest of my life. And I went, hold on. Hold on. I go, wait, why are you saying that? She goes, I'm just letting you know. If you ever cheat on mom, I'll never talk to you for the rest of your life. I go, well, what if... What if mom cheats on me? She goes, I get it. <laughs> I said, what, what do you mean you get it? She goes, well, you're gone a lot. She does a lot for you. Like, the woman needs a break, dad. And then she goes, I can take that back. You're allowed to cheat on mom with a dude. And I go, what? She goes, I, I think I could see that. And I was like, what do you mean you could see that? <laughs> so, yeah, it was a great dinner. Oh, my God. Shout out to Vitello's. Yeah. Are, were you born in L.A.? No, I was born in Tampa. In Tampa? Yeah. How long have you been here? 
maybe since 2000. Okay. I was here for 2001. Yeah, so 2000, so 23 years. You feel like you'll, you guys will stay or everyone's exodus yeah, I, I, to actually, Texas? No, no. So, like, I, I actually have, I was talking, so I, I, if, if we're going to really sound totally fantastic, I was working out with Arnold Schwarzenegger yesterday. I hate when that happens. He called me, but I couldn't make yeah. the appointment, so I'm glad you got to fill in. And I, and I, I'm not going to, I don't want to, I don't want to tell you his day, but it's really fucking cool. So Arnold, every day, uh, every morning he goes, he drives to a place, like a really nice place. He leaves his car there and he gets on his bike. He leaves his bike at this really nice place. And then he rides his bike down to Venice, Venice Beach, and he goes and works out at Gold's every day. Still. It's every day. And then he rides his bike back to this really nice place and has breakfast there every morning. And then he goes to his house and he starts his day. That's what he does every morning at like 7 in the morning. 7 in the morning? 7 in the morning. It's every day. And, and we were talking about what it was like to be a movie star and what it was like when he was when it was happening for him and his friends. He was telling me stories about Milton Berle and going to the like he was it was really an amazing, amazing experience to hang out with Arnold Schwarzenegger, who inarguably is the largest action star we've ever seen in the world. Yeah. And then I went to breakfast and at, at Shutters on the Beach, which is really beautiful. And if you haven't been, if you haven't, if you're just living in LA and you're only in your little nook, like Sherman Oaks, you should probably venture out because there's other parts of LA that are pretty interesting. Absolutely. So we're having breakfast at, at Shutters on the Beach, and Ed Norton gets up and walks past us. And I, I'm not good with recognizing famous people, but I just went, Ed Norton. <laughs> and I started clapping. And he goes, hey, and just walks by. And I go, it's fucking Ed Norton. And then, and then I had, and then and then I I had did a podcast with Kevin Smith, and I had an epiphany. I had an epiphany driving through Hollywood with my wife, and driving through up the PCH into uh, Malibu, up to the uh, driving our getting ourselves home. I had an epiphany, and I was like, I want to make Hollywood fun again. Mm. Like I, like I've never really owned this city. I've never claimed this city as mine, but I've been here twenty three years, and all my friends turn their back on it. Like Rogan and Tom were like, fuck that place. Yeah. It's a hellhole. Yeah. And I was like, but yeah, but I live here. Like why why wouldn't you why would you yuck your own yum? Like why would you and then I went, Hollywood's a badass place. And we have a ton of creative people yeah. who all are really interesting people. All you got to do is just just it's like it's like having sex with a perimenopausal woman. Like, Here we go. Like, yeah. Like, like, like <laughs> you, you, there are men that go. I, I watched a dude. I watched a dude, a really smart dude, uh, leave his wife, and his wife was awesome. His wife was fucking awesome, and he said with a smile on his face, "I upgraded." I think I talked. Did I talk about this in my special? I did. I did. Oh, I, I did. Remember this? I did. It's in the very, very, very beginning. He said, I upgraded. And he oh, had a right. young chick. And you were like, I can chick. never date someone yeah. who's young. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. and well, the, I have a new joke about that. But like, yeah. And so I, he said he upgraded. And I, I just was like, I was like, well, that's an interesting way to look at your life. As opposed to loving the shit you got and finding the beauty in it. Just to go like, I'm done with that. And, and I'm not saying that that's what Rogan and Tom did. Yeah. But for me, it was like, yeah, you could. You could. Yeah, you can always leave your wife. You yeah. can. But you can also be the badass who stays with her for like fifty years. I know, but we're talking about Austin. Yeah. Not we're not talking yes. about them and their wives. Yeah. Joe and Tom are in very happy marriages. Yeah. I'm doing an analogy. Of course. So you can always, yeah, you. I can always leave Leanne, 
change everything and just get a young chick. Yeah. I've seen them. I've seen them. I've seen them. I, it's it's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. I've showed them to her. I was like, yo, just so you know, that's this in my is, DMs. This is who wants me. And she's like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> good. F- I'd like to see you fucking try. Yeah. And so, and so I, I thought that way about Hollywood, and I was like, why not make Hollywood fun as fuck again? This is a city set up for fucking fun. Yeah. Like, why not get Lakers tickets and go courtside? Yeah. Why not go to the Dodgers games and have a fucking blast? Why not? And 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 and, and especially this is like one of the th- the weird things is like, I hate to be using your phrase to you, but you watch sometimes people will yuck their own yum. Yeah. So like. So like someone won't go out and promote a movie because they go, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to feel gross. I'm an artist. And you go, hold on, don't do that. This is what this city's, this city's built on this, this idea that we're going to promote the fuck out of it. And we made it for the world. We want the world to see it. We're proud of what we do. Yeah. Like, and, and so with the premiere, I have friends that won't go to premieres. <laughs> I have friends that go, oh, I'm not into that Hollywood shit. And they think it's cool. I go, that's cool. Then just build fences. Because the thing we're out here to do is make cool shit and hope people like it. And the way you get people to hopefully like it is by promoting it. Yeah. And so I was like, fuck. They were like, do you want to do a red carpet or, 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 or like a, a premiere party? I go, dude, I want to spend more money on the premiere party than we do on the movie. Like, I want to make it huge. I want to turn it into waste management. I want it to be live golf. I want people throwing beers at people. I want celebrities <laughs> afraid to come because they go, and I want to invite the fans. I want to do stands where the fans yeah. get to remember how fun Hollywood was. Right. Because we went through this whole pandemic where we didn't have it. Yep. We went, And now everything's going to streamers, and, that, and, I'm, t- and I'm telling you, there's people... There's no slight on anyone doing shit for streamers. That's badass. I've been on a streamer. I'm very happy with my relationship with Netflix. I have a new thing with I'm 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 there. I have a movie at Netflix. I'm there. Hopefully the machine, my movie will end up on Netflix one day. Right, right. now it's in movie theaters. Like it's old school. And so I want to bring back the old school fun Hollywood where where people were just did fun fucking shit yeah. and they lived out loud yeah. and 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 I know that the internet is there and they're they're gonna shit all over it, but I need to be cool with it and just go fuck it. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take I wanna be like Bruce Willis and take a Harley on the red carpet and be like Vroom, and then gratuitously play the harmonica for an hour at a bar where everyone's like, Bruce, he's out of his mind. <laughs> like I wanna rip my shirt. You know, we do it on the road and it's fun on the road. People love it. Like when you go into a bar and you rip your shirt off and you stand on the bar and you do a shoey and the place goes fucking bananas. What's a shoey? It's when you pour it's do a not shot do that. out of a shoe you do when you pour a beer in a shoe and you drink it out of the shoe <laughs> it's very popular in australia all right but, but like it's fun when you do it on the when you go on the road people are always like what are you doing here and then it's fun but hollywood for some reason has got this Plus, like everyone's too cool for school and you just i think have to find a community of people that have your same intentionality of like, I fucking want to be excited about life. I want to be excited yeah. that I'm going golfing with my dad. I want to be exciting that the excited the movie's coming out. I want to be excited. Like it's still, if you can show up to a space that you used to fucking dream about being and you don't feel that you, you should leave. And, and by the way, you should know that your job is inspiring people to examine their lives and go, Wait, I want to do it a little bit better. I want to have goals. I want to have dreams. I want to have something that I get to build towards. I'm I I may not just be some mom in Des Moines. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I can do something. Absolutely. Maybe I want to do something. You know, Leanne went through that and went through this self-discovery of like she said I I have no point in my life. And I was like, "What?" 
She's like, the girls are like up and running. Yep. And I have no point. Like I have no purpose. Yep. And I was like, okay. She's like, I, I go, well, let me help you find your purpose. And she was like, well, what if I don't have one? I said, everyone's got a purpose. Mm -hmm. You can find your purpose. And she was like, well, what do we do? I said, well, let's start with a podcast. Yeah, I and saw she, she, she was, was like, doing She was one. like, wait, I don't, what do I, what would I talk about? I go, it doesn't matter. Yep. I go, just do it for you. It's almost like therapy. If you talk, if you talk to other people for a couple hours every day, you do get to some interesting places. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now, the man I met, and I, not to go back to Joe, but it's a very tangible point, but the man I met 12, 15 years ago is not the man I will see next week. Mm. <laughs> he is a so much wiser, insightful, thoughtful person than who he was when I met him. Yeah. I mean, I, and, 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 and by the way, just listening to his podcast has forced me to be way more introspective and thoughtful about uh, things I say, things I think, the way I feel, like everything, everything. I'll match, I'll match your moment with another moment. Uh, every, every time I go on stage. So I, I, used to start, I started taking my shirt off on stage to remind myself it was fun. So I was like, I would get on, I would be in Dayton, Ohio. This is just a place I definitely remember being depressed as fuck. <laughs> and it was not, I remember thinking it was sold out and Doc, the man club owner goes, oh no, no, it's not even close. And I went, what? what? And he goes, well, hang on. I think you're not looking at the empty seats. And I went, no, I'm just looking at the people. And he goes, yeah, it looks like it's packed, but in order for it to be a sellout, people have to be sitting the wrong direction to watch the show. And I went, oh. He was like, yeah, we just removed some seats to make it more comfortable. But that, that's, that's a four top, not a two top. And I went, oh. And I went, well, that fucking sucks. And then I all of a sudden my, I was deflated, which I then took it as a, as a lesson, but I was deflated. And I went, well, fuck. And, and to remind myself that this job should be a fun time, I started taking my shirt off. I started taking my shirt off on stage and killing a beer just to remind myself, um, you know, Hey, let's have fun up here tonight. Yeah. Let's make sure that they paid money. Let's make sure we have a good time. The reason I kept it off is one time in, in Columbus, I, I ripped it off and I forgot to put it back on. And we turned, we talked about something else. And then 20 minutes in, I was like, oh shit, I haven't put my shirt back on. And this woman in the back's like, keep it off. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I did a whole set shirtless. And this comic that I really respected was like, dude, I couldn't do a joke shirtless. You did a whole hour shirtless. That's insane. And I thought, I'll keep taking my shirt off. And then when I go to shoot my special, I'll put a shirt on. It'll be like Superman. Like, uh, fuck, it was the dumbest thing. I'll be, I'm swimming in overalls right now. Is the dumbest things, and I realized, oh, I can't perform shirtless. I can't perform with a shirt on. I've got to do a shirtless. So now that was the origin of taking the shirt off. Now, it sounds silly. People go, are you gonna, so you're going to still take your shirt off? Is that your thing? Every time when I go on stage, there's a moment. It's really cool. Uh, JJ and Brendan will take me back with Pete. They take me to the back. Uh... And I have a I have a cold I have two cold beers and a big cup and a coffee, and we'll watch my intro video, which is a promo video before I go on stage. It's kind of it's kind of fun to watch. It's like a highlight reel yeah. of me, and then it gets to a certain point. It gets to a certain point where uh, I have to crouch down because you have to hide, and I look up and I see the name of the arena I'm performing in, the uh, PNG Paint Center or whatever or fucking. Emily Arena in Tampa. Like you see the arena name on the top. Or you see uh, Boston Garden. You see all the, the Celtics jerseys hanging up there. And you go, whew. 
<laughs> this might be the last time I get to do this. Like, it just is like overwhelming. And then you get out on stage and you feel 19,000 people, 15,000 people stand up and cheer for you. And, and, and Creedence Clearwater Revival's playing Fortunate Son. <laughs> and it sounds so silly. But it sounds so silly. This is what a meathead I am. But then when I kill a beer <laughs> and I rip my shirt off and you hear that pop of those people going, yeah, like it's, I mean, I'm so lucky I took my shirt off in the first place because it's so fun to feel that energy of people back. I go, the second I stop enjoying that goofiness, the goofiest thing of taking your stupid shirt off and killing a beer. I mean, that frat boy, meathead, tailgate energy that that makes me so fucking happy. That's I go, the second I stop feeling it, I, I'm... I'm done because it's it's just it's just I mean the the silliest things I could talk to you I could talk forever. to you forever why don't you come I on my podcast I would fucking love that I yeah. would love that come on my podcast uh, uh, yes Peter has the information you can tell yeah Jack. come um, on my podcast and I'll have Leanne sit in because oh, Leanne will give you like I'll give you I'm a bad I'll interviewer both parts of the story. Uh, Leanne yeah. will be like yeah can we have drinks on your podcast is that a thing oh <laughs> You have no I haven't idea. done that yet on a show, but I feel like I'm ready for it. I think and you gonna, are the one that I'd like to. I yeah, think you're. I think you're gonna like. Yeah, hour. and and you you're gonna walk away and go, because because Leanne gets you, like yeah. she gets you. Yeah, when you said that, I just for real, like connect her with me. I'll yeah. fucking help her find her purpose. Like yeah. this is what I do. Oh, she's got her purpose now. She's running okay, my good. fucking business. And okay. She is a fucking bulldog. Awesome. She's a bulldog. She goes, can I run your business? I go, yeah. And she goes, I'm going to start firing people. I was like, hold on, hold on. She's like, Easy. here first. Oh, she has her purpose yeah. hardcore right now. She is, good. she is running our business and she is fucking, in, she is on it. She put, picked the right path and, uh, and she will be thrilled. Yeah. Thrilled. I would love that. I would love that. Thrilled. She, she's gonna go. She's gonna go. Hold on, I'm gonna fly Georgia down here. She needs to be in yeah. here. We'll have Georgia down. I'll let fan. Georgia. I, now I won't let her drink much. But I'll have her sip of wine, a sip of champagne, just as a toast. Now, now all of a sudden the accents changing. She's again. a fucking accent. Um, because I do want to promote it because this is why you're here. Yeah. Will oh, you yeah, tell listeners where they're finding the movie. When's it coming out? Mm-hmm. When are they lining up in the bleachers to scream for you while you ride the Harley down the red carpet? Uh, our premieres in Brentwood. Right? Uh, the Village Regency. Yeah. Yeah, the Village yeah. Regency Theater. Uh, just come down. Just If you're around, just show up and just show up and get a cup of coffee down there and just walk over and see yeah. if you see anybody. That's all. Um, old school Hollywood. Yeah. Just have fun. Old just school. have fucking fun. Take a shirt uh, off. See what happens. Yeah, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's in theaters. It's The Machine. You can go to themachine.movie to buy, uh, buy pre-order your, pre-get your t- seats. So what we're doing is we're doing an in-theater event that'll stream live into the theaters on the 25th. Cool. So people can get their tickets for the 25th and watch us stream live from the red carpet. Awesome. And so I thought that would be fun. It's what we do in podcasting, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of presentation. Maybe we'll talk about the movie. I'm sure I'll cry. Yeah. I'm certain I'll cry. I said, and, and ideally, I would do that presentation, and then right as the house lights went down, someone would chloroform me, and then put <laughs> me into a coma for like five days, and go, and wake me up and go, your body's rested. Right, right. You, we've got your hydration <laughs> levels back. You're, you're off caffeine. There's no alcohol in your system. Yeah. You you're lost good. weight, by by the way, yeah. you stop. You're not as bloated and red as you used to be, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, I. Uh, the Machine Dot Movie is where you can pre-order your tickets to get a seat at the theaters. Um, I want I'm, I'm I want people 
I want people to take a look at this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and and eventize it for themselves. And and I I would ideally want you to know I put a lot of time and effort in this movie. We a lot of great people worked on it. So come out and support old school movies, like yeah. movies. Go to the theaters, put on a pair of sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Get comfortable. Know your order. No, think about. I want you to think. Tuesday, what am I getting at the movies? Right. Extra large popcorn. Junior mints. Two hot dogs. Yeah. Junior mints. Yeah. The Butterfinger little bites mm-hmm. and a Slurpee. large Diet Coke. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, they sell booze at a lot of these theaters. <laughs> Sneak in your own booze. Take your shirt off in the theater. Send me a picture at Burt Kreischer. I'll repost it on Instagram. Um, but have fun with it. It's, yeah. it's like people don't make movies so that – I mean some people make movies so you can cry. But like some people don't make movies to not have a fucking blast with yeah. it. So have a fucking blast with it. Enjoy it. It's a big budget Hollywood action comedy. It's fun. It's going to be bigger than you expect. I think you're going to be surprised at how fun it is. And uh, and and by the way, support live comedy. We got the fully loaded festival all summer. We do. Uh, we're doing four weeks: two in June, two in July. I've got 12, 15 comics now. I think fifteen comics that are on it. Wow. We go around the country. We're starting in Forest Hills at the tennis arena, and then we end at the Gorge in Washington. Uh, we just added Bruce Bruce, who's one of my favorite comics in the world. So I'm really lucky. Lewis Black, Dave Attell, uh, Jane Gillis, Mark Norman, Big J. Orkson, Dan Soder, Tiffany Haddish. I mean, it's just a it's a who's it's who's huge. list yeah. of great, the best comics in the business. They're doing um, how long are their sets? Everyone does like 20. So everyone oh, murders. Cool. Everyone murders. Like We're doing it outdoors. Stuff. We're doing it in arenas. Kevin Smith's going to come out and do, I think Ooh. he's going to do New York. We, I, Arnold Schwarzenegger said he wants to come out and do one. I'm being dead serious. I told him, I said, I got a private jet waiting for you. I will fly you out in a private jet. You come out, Fortune Feimster's on it. He, she's got a new oh, movie, a TV it. show with Arnold. And so I said, Arnold, I will fly you out. And he was like, uh, I want to be on the one with Fortune. Maybe I'll come to Traverse City. And I was like, great, great, come to Traverse City. We'll bring it. He goes, I want to come on stage and tell a joke. He was like, was like great, great, great. great. He goes, I have a problem. I go too hard on the people. He was saying this. This is the funniest thing. He goes, he goes, he goes, Milton Berle told me, hey, you know, roast this guy. You say, hey. He's an overweight guy. He retains water. Looks like he's retaining Lake Mead. And then he goes, he goes, and then I go to do it. And I'm just a little too mean. I'm like, look at this fat fucking piece of shit. <laughs> we, were, we were laughing so hard. He goes, I just, I burn. I don't just singe. I burn. <laughs> look at this fat fucking piece of shit. Oh, he retains water also. <laughs> I'm doing a horrible Arnold Schwarzenegger. I loved impression. it. I loved it. But yeah, so. The Machine, in movies, Memorial Day weekend, go out to the movies, uh, and Razzle Dazzle's on Netflix. Yeah. And you'll laugh so hard you can't breathe. I love this podcast. Thanks. This was a fucking blast. Thanks. You have to come back when it's actually decorated and not well, we, like I'll tell you what, show. come out, do yeah, my podcast. I would love to. And, and we will have okay. a blast. Okay. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. Expectations matter. What do you expect from an SUV? Versatility? A range of sizes built to fit your life? A range of exteriors that all invite stairs? Or being able to take control of more than just the wheel? Expectations matter, but exceeding them matters more how we get there matters 
the Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Register today at thisisils.org.